Good evening and welcome to El Oso Fumar Takes. This is our 196th take live from the Alec Bradley Lone Star Studios of Azle, Texas. This is my pride, my pleasure, my privilege, and I am so proud to be welcoming in this guest tonight. It's going to be a fantastic take. I'm so excited for tonight's audience. I'm so excited for the things that we're going to talk about. But before we get to those important topics, we do have to thank the people that make this show possible. And that's, of course, our sponsors. Tonight's show is sponsored by Drew Estate. Drew Estate, it's about to make someone a whole lot richer. Yes, a whole lot richer. You've got one last chance, guys. One last chance. Today is January 16th. On January 22nd, or excuse me, January 20th, in just four days, the company will be randomly select names from five people who attend their freestyle live event. They've had a couple more in the past, but you've got one last chance, the 20th. In just four days, you need to attend the freestyle live event on their Facebook page, facebook.com slash Drew Estate Cigar, and you can have a chance to get picked so that on February uh, February 17th, they're having another freestyle live, and that's where someone, a very special person, will get a full, complete, 100% non-partial Bitcoin. That's right. Someone's about to get a whole lot richer. Thanks to Drew Estate, they announced that they'll be holding a Bitcoin sweepstakes with numerous other incredible prizes. So this isn't just about one Bitcoin, although one Bitcoin, I haven't really checked. That's not really my thing, but I know it's worth money and not just like a little money. We're not talking about a Starbucks gift card here. We're talking about a whole Bitcoin that could be yours. Attend the Freestyle Live on January 20th in just four days, and then don't miss February 17th's Freestyle Live edition, and you could be the lucky winner of a full Bitcoin because of Drew Estate. And also, thanks to our other sponsors uh, for tonight. We'll be getting to them in just a second, but we do have to thank uh, United Cigar, who are, is are always our sponsor for our one must go segment, but they do sponsor the guests on LS Fumar takes as well. You can tell them a little out of practice for this, but I'm so excited to have him back for our 196 take brought to you by United cigars. Smoke one today and start living United. Mr. Will Cooper of cigar coop coop. How are we doing tonight? Bear, thanks for having me on. You know, what was really interesting. You were doing that Drew estate read, which I've done a similar one on our show. Um, but something just clicked tonight. Uh, February 17th is the day of the big uh, announcement, but it's a really important day for me uh, because 30 years prior to that date, I became a parent for the first time, and it's going to be my daughter's uh, 30th birthday. Oh, oh so, that's fantastic. Wow, wow, and I just kind of, how I didn't realize this, reading this thing for months, right? Uh, I should just be ashamed of myself. I mean, I knew it, but I just didn't click the two until just now. Yeah, I, I think I, I, gosh, I, I haven't even, I haven't even realized it too. Like, you know, the fact that, gosh, it's been 30 years for you having children and, you know, I'm in, you know, I'm just in year six and everything, but yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, it's still, it's still amazing how time flies. I mean, my oldest is six years old. I, I mean, I mean, you knew him when he was a little guy and yeah, you, I mean, I, I, before Jacob was born, my youngest. Sure. So like, it's time flies. It's crazy. It's, it's crazy. Nuts. But yeah. And you know, my youngest, Steven, he just turned 21 in October. So I got my last one, you know, into 20 and now the thirties are starting. So it's kind of, mm. it, it really kind of time does really fly is what I'm going to tell you there. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's nuts. Um, yeah. 
You know, so I, I'm so pleased to have you on as my special guest tonight. But we actually do have we actually do have another special guest mm -hmm. uh, on this uh, show. The, she is not probably going to be on camera, but uh, I do want to introduce the entire world uh, to uh, the newest member of the Duplessis family. Uh, her name is Molly. Uh, she's beautiful. She's wonderful and fantastic. And uh, this is her right here. So let's go ahead and bring her on and can see her there she is we just picked her up today look at that look at that that's a yeah what a beautiful she's beautiful so um is everyone uh who's a, an audience member of my show for a long time they know that uh, i lost my dog uh, about a year and a half ago and uh she uh you know she was part of my life for almost you know for over 15 years and a uh, big part of my life, I'm a big dog lover, as a lot of people know. And um, so we've been waiting very patiently. Um, and uh, yeah, I was able to rescue this little girl today. And, and she's one year old. Uh, they say a lab mix, but, you know, everything looks like a lab mix. <laughs> so, uh, but she's uh, she's fantastic. She's yeah. actually asleep right now next to me. So, so oh, beautiful. Um, so I guess I, I guess I got I guess I have a show mascot now. I mean, that's... Absolutely. You know, they like, you know, I love like when dogs come into the cigar shop and I think Aaron and I did a segment on pets once and like cigar dogs and stuff. It's really cool to do that. So uh, it's beautiful. And um, I think uh, I, I think I, I mean, I think I finally hit the big time. I have a I have a show mascot now. I think that you. you think yes, you do. Yeah, yeah, yes, you do. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so that's a cigar media first. Watch how it starts catching on. <laughs> so. Right. Right. Um, well, I'm, I'm super excited to have you here, Coop. I'm super excited to uh, christen the uh, Lone Star uh, Studios here of Azel, Texas, um, brought to you by Alec Bradley. Um, and I've got I've got some choices here for you. We're going to bring over a tradition from Absolutely. special edition. Absolutely. Tonight, so um, so um, I think it would be appropriate to uh smoke any of these cigars tonight but i'm going to go ahead and let you choose okay um so we're going to go um so choice number one uh we have a la flor dominicana oro maduro Ooh, former top top 25 cigar of mine um we have the number one cigar of ls fumar takes for 2020 the rave the dissident rave yep um we also have uh uh the uh and then the uh so i'm told i would see that this is how this is how uh such a, i'm such an amateur but i am new to the whole saints and sinners thing mm -hmm. uh for uh for pete johnson and tatuaje it's been it's been kind of cool uh, i got this five pack i thought i was buying a peatmas five pack apparently that it peatmas hasn't happened for a few years so i got a holiday gift pack whatever um mm -hmm. so they're they're numbered one through five now our friend rusty webb i mentioned who's watching tonight yeah. he's smoking the number five out of a former five pack right so i'm gonna so i'm gonna do that i'm gonna do the number five now it's here on the left here coop mm -hmm. um my left you're right probably yep. mm -hmm. um and it, to me it looks like broadleaf um but i have no idea what it is okay so um but those are your choices Mystery cigar from Pete Saints and Sinners, the number one cigar of Ellis from our takes, uh, the Rave Dissident, or an L of, uh, La Florida Dominicana Oro Maduro. Okay. Um, and I'll assume maybe you'll get to at least two tonight. All right. So because I'm 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 finishing up my Crux uh Bull and Bear double corona. 
So I don't want to dump this because it's a good cigar, right? And unfortunately, I should have been done with it, but I had some issues here with the ice. <laughs> but I am planning on smoking my number one cigars from the past two years. Next, which is the American and, uh, Toro from 2020, number one, and the Rocky Patel um, Winter Collection Robusto from this year, uh, this past year, 2021. So I say you should go with that dissident tonight. Let's, let's, kind, of, let's kind of celebrate. Let's, do the, let's give the honors to number one um you know and have some all these are great choices but let's go with that um that oro is i was tempted to go with you with an oro but that's i don't think that's a good first cigar is what i'm going to say so because it may kind of ruin the other experiences because yeah. it's a heavy cigar um it certainly is and i actually have oh great so i mean that, i'm interested in that tatuaje as well but I, I let's go with the number ones i'm going to say yeah let's do it yep all right perfect so yep um I mean, I love this cigar. Obviously, it was uh, my number one pick for this year. Um, yep. And it is my first cigar of the day. I've, I've, I've had a really busy day. No cigar yeah. smoking. Yep. Yep. Uh, and, and uh, you know, Bear, we, we, I know we're going to, we'll probably on Tuesday talk. I know we're going to talk more number ones, probably. I don't know if we'll do some tonight, but definitely we'll do some on Tuesday. Um, you know, that's, that's a cigar I know you have been, you know, it's funny. I didn't think, I was thinking of it last year for some reason it was on your list, right? But it was the block. And, you know, one thing about Bear, when he picks a number one cigar, this guy's buying them by the truckload is what I'm just going to tell you, everyone out there. So and he's definitely been smoking this thing all year. So uh, and I have witnesses who have seen Bear this year smoking a lot of it. So, <laughs> so on the Coop team who are out there. So uh, there were no surprises as far as that goes. So, uh, you know, if it's a number one cigar by Bear, you know, it's uh, it's something he's smoking and enjoying and everyone else can do that as well. Yeah, I gave, I mean, I gave one to Aaron. It was like during the, uh, you know, Aaron Nielsen, he was one of the first uh, bombs yep. I gave him. Um, yeah, I've, I've just been smoking the crap out of it uh, for the last, you know, a little under, a little under a year and a half, probably the last six months, 16 yep. months or so. But, mm -hmm. um, and so uh, it was interesting. Brandon Payne of Michael's Tobacco has been gracious host for me the last couple of weeks while I've been out of Great the job. studio. Great mm job. -hmm. Um, he, uh, he went, he might actually talking about this. Um, we're, we're still loving the way that it's smoking. We're still buying and we're still smoking right. a ton of the, of the, the rave, but the tirade has been smoking phenomenally, um, uh, recently. So, um, just been, just been a sensational, sensational cigar. So, but, uh, really bravo to, uh, the folks at Oveja Negra. Ben Holt, who was originally part of the branding process, now with the Coburns taking over the company, they've really inherited some gems, man. I'm a you huge know, fan of the cigar. Yeah, I agree with you. And you know, one thing about um, Oveja Negra, which um, great factory, it's been our factory of the year uh, on a couple of occasions. The um, James has really mastered Connecticut blending, if you think about it. So yeah, killer, uh, killer bees, killer bee, the porcelain, which has become his monster. It's become his big regular product. He, he told us that's his best seller right now. So and, and I had the Robusto size. I introduced it to the show. And I think it was even better than the original porcelain. So James, James, if anyone thought that James Brown can't blend a Connecticut cigar, they are sadly mistaken because he's doing some great work right now with that. Yeah. And uh, and this this one this one this this to this show tonight and this cigar goes out to our good friend Dave Garofalo who said that nobody picks Connecticut as their number one cigar. So here's to you, Dave. Dave, Cheers. how you doing? Yep, yep, yeah. And and, and uh, I, I bust I got to bust on Dave on one thing too. 
So uh, he gave us a he gave me a wonderful shout out on the show on Saturday about the uh, Perdomo firecracker. Um, mm-hmm. But he said you can't get it anymore. That is not a hundred percent true, Dave. There are some retailers that have it. Um, so I can tell you that Corona and Frontline guys have it. So there are some United retailers that still have it, but it is getting scarce. I ain't gonna deny it. So uh, good job, but good. So I just want to let Dave know that. So he needs to get a few more. You know, uh, he, he you know you know you know somebody. <laughs> he knows somebody. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I think I mean I I mean I, I think after this impressive year showing, I think uh, Nick's just gonna have to go ahead and make some more of them. I mean. Yeah, I mean, Dave. I mean, just I, I know I'm gonna digress. How I mean, they announced a Bandolero firecracker and a big poppy firecracker yesterday. I mean, so you've got to be thrilled about this. <laughs> A big poppy firecracker coming this year. I'm, st- I'm stoked, man. Dude, I, I, I mean, yeah, you're all over that. Um, I'm all I'm all about. It. I've been a big fan of what L Artiste has been doing. Uh, really, yeah, yeah. Especially recently, but like, I mean, I was listen. I was I was nervous as all get out for the with like when they when they announced the big poppy cigar originally because I was like, oh god, yeah. if this uh, if this cigar sucks, I'm gonna be like, I'm just gonna like be yeah. beside myself with grief. Yeah. Um, and it, and I I mean I went into it about as like skeptical and apprehensive as, as you could ever be, and like I said, it like it's not the it's not the world's greatest cigar in the world, but I do smoke it, I do enjoy it, it's very good. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, and I still I know I ha- I still haven't had the big slugger, ironically. See, I like the big slugger. Uh, I, it, it it's big though. You it's not your, but I think you'll like it even though it's a big ring gauge. Yeah, but I'll tell you that the the uh, the Buffalo Ten Connecticut, well, yeah, holy shit! I mean, we that all we awesome. all love that cigar. We, like Ben and I had that thing in 109 degree heat on the patio at the compound, and uh, we enjoyed every minute of that that cigar, even though we had some massive heat out there. Um, I can tell you that. Um, on that, you know, so. I'm excited. By the way, you know, I just want to comment on that Bandolero. That was absolutely the most brilliant move I think United Cigar made, making a Bandolero firecracker. Um, you know, they're trying, I think, to jumpstart Bandolero, which they have ex- that's an excellent line of cigars. And what better way to do that than with a firecracker? So I think it was a brilliant move, yeah. and I'm excited about that one as well. So, so Coop, this is, is this the this isn't the first time that a firecracker has made your list, is it? First time ever. Uh, I even did, okay. Yeah, I even did something a little different this year. So I, you know, I published my my average scores in a lot of different ways, and I slice it up different ways. And one way I do is by Batola. And this is the first year I put the firecracker into a Batola of a total category of its own because I had two firecrackers I reviewed this year. So, um, but yeah, it's the first time a firecracker has ever made it. Uh, it's that. I mean, you we did the show, I believe, with Nick yeah, that night, I, and you know, I fell in love with that cigar that night. Oh, I, I, I loved it. It was fantastic. It, it, it was, um, and it was a national release. So because it went, Dave gets it first, and then it goes to United the, uh, the retailers. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's out there is what I'm saying. So, um, you can get you can get these. Some of them are harder to get than others. So, but uh, they made a lot of the Perdomo ones. I know they had a, they just did a third run of it this year as well. So. Um, great cigar. I mean, and, and most people who smoked it have agreed with me. It was it was an excellent cigar. I don't think people sort coming on my list, but it was one of the highest scoring cigars I had over the past year. So it was bound to be that high. Right. No, I I figured it. So so that so there's another cigar that you reviewed that you were really high on 
And I, I think I understand the criteria enough to know that I know why it didn't make your top 30. Cause it, it would, it, it, it hit the deadline. And that was uh-huh. the J that was the JFR lunatic 50th for JR cigars. And it's, is it because it was a single store, a single, single store release? Yeah, yeah. It was because okay. it was a single store release. Man, you're um, right on that cigar. A lot of people were, man, that cigar was really good. Yeah. That I would a, say the JR cigars as a whole have been good. I, uh, there was one I didn't care for as much, but the, uh, the Oliva review was the, the Oliva Serie V Melanio round format. They did was excellent as well. Um, so that, that, that was a really good series. Uh, I have a couple more reviews coming in that series. Uh, they did a good JR did an excellent job, but single story releases just can't make it. There's a lot of reasons which I won't go into tonight, but they just can't make the list, unfortunately. And I think the, you, know, you you feel the same way too. Yeah, that's why it was my, like you made my honorable mention. But I will say this: the Mother Church, the Crown Heads did for it. They need that to was another, it out. I, I, They need to figure it out. They need, they to, need figure to figure out how to get that because that, that's give it, yeah. That cigar was that cigar was probably one of the best cigars. No, not probably. It was. It was arguably the best cigar I smoked this past year. Oh yeah, I mean it was, it arguably one of the best cigars coming out of Pachardo. Um, Who says John Huber can't make a Churchill? <laughs> so I mean it's, it was just yeah. I mean, I know I think I smoked that when we had Miguel on the show, and uh, that that you know for me to bring a single store cigar out on uh, you know again, it's hard. There's a lot of reasons and a lot of single store releases disappoint more than please. But that one, they have they need to figure what to do with that. It, either give it to, I mean, my opinion, give it to JR as a regular ongoing or make it regular production because they'll knock it out of the park. Well, I mean, that's how the Juarez got started. It was it was an exclusive and then it got nationally yeah. released. So hopefully, I mean. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I remember we didn't even know who Pachardo was and this cigar comes out on left field, that Juarez. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I know it was similar to Jericho Hill. I liked it better than Jericho Hill. That was just me. So, uh, and great price point. Yeah, I, I go back and forth between those two, but I feel like I, I shouldn't because I feel like they're two different animals yeah. and everything. Yeah, yeah. Crown Heads is a great year too. Both Crown Heads and Ace Prime had excellent oh, years phenomenal, this past phenomenal. year. Yeah, they really did. Yeah. So, Coop. So here's the here's a we've gotten we've been doing a slew of just cigar chat here and stuff. We're gonna get into some the major point here in just a yep. second. But I do I do have a kind of an ice breaking question for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've known you for a couple of years now, and you've been doing this for not as long as I've known you, but for quite a while. Um, it's kind of been this kind of this infamous tradition that you have. Um, whenever and this is, you know, this isn't just football, but you know, we're seeing a lot of them now because the playoffs are going on right now, and so yeah. it's your your exit posts your uh you know you know you can get your yeah. commemorative t-shirt on the way out of x stadium or whatever yeah yeah someone is when, when someone is uh cast cast aside from the playoffs by losing and their season's over you've you've yep. de- done these season conclusionary posts where when did this start where did this come like i mean i i get a kick out of them i gotta be mm-hmm. honest uh but i i I've, i can't honestly remember a time where you didn't do it and I don't know. I've just like, where did where did this even start? Uh, it's ripped off. I'm going to be completely honest, but I'll tell you who it's ripped off from. And I waited for a while before I started doing it. Uh, Tony Bruno, legendary sportscaster from Philadelphia, uh, was on was the original uh, host of the Mike and Mike show. It was uh, it was the Bruno Golick show before it was Mike and Mike on ESPN Fox radio host. Uh, he would do that for years. He's kind of semi-retired right now for a few years, so he hasn't done it. 
So it's kind of like, all right, I really loved when he did that. So I, I did it. <laughs> I started doing it. Um, right. And if you're t- like, I'm, you know, so I'm, I'm claiming it's not original. If Tony Bruno sends me a message and asks me to stop it, I'll stop it. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's meant to be a fun post. Uh, you know, there's a couple of people who don't like it. Um, and people especially don't like it when their team's out. I try not to really rip, rip a team. Like I didn't uh, really rip the Cowboys today on it. And, you know, it, it's sometimes I will, um, but uh, you know, I'll put a little jab in there, but it's meant to be good spirit fun. And, and I do it to my own teams too. So. Yeah, of course. No, yeah. yeah. You know, if, if, if nothing else, Coop, you're, 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 you're incredibly fair. Yeah. You, you spread the love and you spread the hate. Equally. Yeah. 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 <laughs> No, the, the, the Cowboys one was fantastic. I thought I thought it was hilarious, man. We would like to thank the Dallas Cowboys for their participation in the 2021 NFC season. You can pick up your commemorative How About Them Niners t-shirt on. I thought it was classic. Out of, out of And I don't know if this was intentional because the stadium, Dallas Cowboys, you know, AT&T Stadium uh, in Arlington is, 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 is commonly referred to as uh, Jerry World. Yeah, that's what I kind of um, said. Yeah, that but one. You, you said Jerry's World, and I don't know if it was intentional. Oh, it's I, not. It's, I, maybe I had it wrong. Yeah, it's probably Jerry. I, oh, it was hilarious. I was like, oh, that's there's so much there's so much nuance to that comment. Because, um, I mean, that's I mean, that's the last 20 plus years since the drought of the Cowboys. And I'm trying to hammer on my hometown team here. I'm, I'm not a Cowboys fan. I'm probably the only person in America that is indifferent to America's team. Like, I really don't care either way. Yeah, I really it, don't. Now I missed the whole last two minutes of that game. Um, most of that, because uh, we had an ice storm here and I had to deal with some, unfortunately things that went down on my property tree wise today or tonight um, with the ice. So I, I know there was a bunch of stuff at the end of the game. So I, I really wasn't qualified to comment on anything that happened at the end of the game. I read about it, caught up on it, but yeah, so it was kind of simple at that point. Um, and by the way, those cowboy assistants, I hope all these teams are just like not gonna, because I thought Dan Quinn did a terrible job on the defense today from the game I watched and Kellen Moore's offense was completely uninspiring. So let those guys spend more time as coordinators before getting head coaching jobs. I hope people, well, Dan Quinn's them. had a chance. Dan Quinn has showed his ineptness as a coach. Co- I don't yeah. understand. Look, I think he's a great, he... he had a bad game today, but I think he's a good DC, he, but he had a bad game yeah. today. They had no, a bad it, defense. It, yeah. Their defense was terrible today. Listen, there have been fantastic coordinators that just don't make it as coach. Uh, oh, uh, North uh, Turner, Wade, Wade uh, Phillips. Wade Phillips. Wade Phillips is the best example. That uh, guy, that man, is an incredible coordinator. He, incredible, I mean, incredible. Like, I don't know how he doesn't have a job because he wants to still coach this guy. Because he's old. He's old. It's That's just, terrible. It's just, it's, well, it's just saying. I, I mean, I get it, but he, man. A lot of teams could benefit from Wade Phillips right now. Look, our uh, coordinator in Green Bay has done a phenomenal job this season. I'd take him. I'd take Wade Phillips tomorrow. Who, who, who's uh, your DC again? Uh, oh, God, I knew you were an ass That's okay um, if you don't know. Yeah. Uh, if it's not, I thought it was a name guy. That's why I was wondering. Well, they got rid of Petten, who I thought did a phenomenal job. I like Petten. And, and that was that was that was really that was really unfortunately um, that that really kind of upset me. Uh, but Joe Barry, um, sorry, just came. Okay. So Joe Barry's actually done a really, really good job, obviously this year. But, um, but uh, he, uh, um, but when they, yeah, when they got rid of Patton, then they, I was like, oh man, that sucks, because I thought he was, I thought Patton did a fantastic job. So, um, 
Yeah, the cigar guy. I mean, he's known as a cigar guy uh, when he coached the Browns and stuff. Man, uh, what a uh, you know. There's there's this. I I can't. If you had if you had pulled because they got hired. Uh, 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 Stefanski and Joe Judge got hired the same offseason, correct? Yeah. If come on, man. I mean, if you had pulled anyone in America. Which one would have just shit the bed? It would have been Stefanski. It was to been Stefanski. What a job! And, he, and, and yeah, and what you know, what a job he's doing. Fine. I mean, finally, there's <sighs> there's there's glimmers of stuff. He didn't have Cleveland a rookie. He had a tougher second year, but yeah. he's not nothing. I would fire the man over. You better have a if they were stupid enough to fire him. Um, you know, but yeah, he's done a. Seth is pretty happy with him. I think for the most part. Um, it's a little disappointed with this year, you know. Seth's guys, well, he's, keep, he's keeping Baker in check. Like that kid, that kid's a, that kid's a firecracker. It, it, if, if you watch like some of Kevin Stefanski's locker room talks and stuff, guys, the guy's made to be a head coach. Uh, I, I like how he kind of works the locker room, and he's got he, he balances things out with discipline, with you know, just good encouragement for his players. So. Um, I, I, you know, when I, when I see these guys in the locker room, I sometimes make a lot of judgment. And I, look, I would take Kevin Stefanski tomorrow to coach my team. Oh, that's handsome. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. All right, Google. Let's get on to the major point for tonight. Yeah. I was just, I was really curious. Cause like, it's for, like I didn't, I never knew the, I honestly never knew the backstory. Well, yeah. So, that, it, that's and, I know, and I know who Tony Bruno is. That's really funny that I never put the, the I'm a huge Tony Bruno fan going back to his Philly days. So yeah. All right. So, well, tonight's major point is always brought to you by the people, cigar people, the people who know everything about a lifetime of service. Protocol Cigars is more than just pool parties and good times. Well, maybe it is. <laughs> but behind the fun is a motivation for service, a motivation for giving back from the original Protocol Blue to the latest release in the Lawman series, Bass Reeves. Protocol has always been about honor, passion, and yes, the people. It's what their life's work has been and always will be about. Power of the P protocol cigars so coop tonight's major point is we, i wanted to dive back into 2021 mm-hmm. um with a look at from a cigar coop perspective okay so we spent a lot of time together we we uh i'm, I'm gracious enough to co-host cigar coop primetime special edition with you every couple weeks and um we have a phenomenal mixture of great interviews and news magazine style shows themes lists um great discussion um you know everyone talks about the length of my show here uh you know the, those shows can go pretty long too so we've we, had some we, we had almost five hours once i remember yeah. yeah we we uh we definitely uh we definitely get everyone give everyone their money's worth um considering it's free to listen so um <laughs> uh, maybe we should start a patreon or something i don't know um but um, I am anxious to kind of look at this because you do such a phenomenal job of covering the industry from so many different perspectives. The podcast is such a, a small part. It's an integral part of the Cigar Coop uh, brand, but it's such a small part of what you really do. Because let's not forget, you have never missed a day um, of coverage um, for it's going on 11 plus right it will be t- it will actually be, even though cigar coops can be 12 years old the streak will hit 10 years on july 3rd 10 if, years if okay I'm, if i'm fortunate enough to get to that okay but that's the plan yeah 
So, and so what I mean by that, and for our purpose of our audience, that means that Coop has had, Coop has published news, reviews, releases, something of the sort, every single day, 365 days a year for almost 10 years straight now. And then the, and then the, you know, and then the website has been up for 12 years. This is his 12th year. Uh, man, I feel like we just celebrated your 10th anniversary. Coop. This is crazy. Yeah, we hit 11 uh, look, last year. Yeah, so look, yeah. Look what COVID did to us, man. We forget, yep. like, we just killed, yep. we totally missed a, totally missed some good times. Um, so so I want to kind of look back from a, from a Cigar Coop perspective. Um, so let's let's kind of just kick this off with the, the, the biggest question. What, what was the biggest story from a Cigar Coop perspective? Um, what was the biggest story this year? And, and do you agree that it should have, that should hold that title? Yeah. You know, every year I do um, the 12 biggest stories and themes of the year. Um, on, and I now publish that always on December 31st. Um, and I won't go all to 12 on the show. Um, I think there were two that stood out. Um, I, actually, there's one that really stood out. Um, it is definitely the supply versus demand uh, story this year uh, because there were so many facets around, you know, obviously heavy demand continuing as uh, we're still in a pandemic, uh, but, but companies struggling to meet that demand. Um, you know, so I think we've seen, we saw a lot of the after effects. What was really interesting, Bear, is when I was looking at what I reviewed, this year, there was so much more from Nicaragua. The balance was completely thrown off. And I think it's because the Dominican really had some of these production problems that, that slowed down some of the newer releases, more so than Nicaragua. And I think we saw that, you know. But, you know, the other side of the coin is, is, is Habanos in Cuba. And, you know, you go and, and talk to folks in Europe, uh, and there's retail shelves that are empty in these, in these big Habano stores with no Cuban cigars right now. I mean, it's, it's a huge problem compared to these other ones. So I think that this has obviously been the big story this year. Back orders from companies have been a problem. Um, and I think, you know, we haven't seen anything like that in the cigar industry in a long time. Yeah, I, I think that, I mean, we, we kind of all predicted this um, very early on in COVID, right? Because we, we, we started getting word and we thought it was just, I mean, let's be honest, we thought it was just bluster in the very beginning where people were like, oh, this is a great year. This is, you know, we're doing fine. Everything's fantastic. And we, we learned about halfway through COVID, uh, year one of COVID, we, we found out that to actually be true, right? Expenses were down, profits were up, people were smoking more, and sales were actually really, were really up, um, you know, overall. And uh, even though we did lose some cigar shops and we did lose some cigar brands during, during the whole pandemic. Um, yeah. But I would, I would argue, actually, we're going to put a pin in that comment. Cause I want to come back to that. Cause I want to get uh -huh. your opinion on this, but this is something we called very early on. I feel like we had, we were having these discussions with supply and demand and I think we're starting to see it. And I, I don't want to rush this subject too much because I do want to get to, the quality of cigars the past year, because I was noticing your article today, or it might have been yesterday, about your scores. Now, I know your scoring process has changed over the years, but the dip that over the years in scoring on Cigar Coop is if I'm looking, if I'm a cigar manufacturer and I'm looking at a trusted, you know, a trusted reviewer in William Cooper, 
um, that's got to be a concerning uh, concerning article to read that the, the quality of cigars is going down. And if I'm a cigar manufacturer, I got to be looking a little internally uh, with the su- supply and demand issue that's coming up and with cigar scores dipping because I Cooper, I mean, we were looking at the data of the cigar aficionado list too. And there were a lot of scores uh, below that 90 um, mark. Good, yeah. good, what we call good cigars, even consistent performing cigars. They were 90 and below, which normally would have gotten that 91 plus. I don't know. What do you thought? Yeah, so a couple of things. About three years ago, I, I did recalibrate the scoring, uh, the kind of focus on a 90 being a standard of excellence. Um, so the idea was let's not make 90 a consolation score. Let's let's make it a a, a real – let's work to get the 90. Um, but that being said, there were no changes to the calibration done over the past year. But what I discovered is, you know, there was, you know there's little scores that come in like for burn and draw and construction. And those, those, those ratings dip, those things dipped a lot on a lot of cigars. So there were a lot more like, you know, things that weren't burning at an excellent level or drawing at an excellent level. Um, some, some were rather poor, but some just weren't quite what I've seen in the past. And I think that contributed to the dip more than anything. Um, so, I mean, cause the dip went down about, it went down about a half a point, I want to say. So, um, you know, it wasn't, and, and that may have been enough where I've seen that where it's, a, you know, there's definitely some quality issues coming out of these factories right now, for sure. Um, some, some didn't, some didn't have that, you know, so before someone says it wasn't, it wasn't universal across the board, um, but there, there was some, so the average score this year was 89.06. Uh, that was down from, so it's a little, it's, it was down from 89.45. So, you know, again, I think that's what contributed to that um, more than anything. Um, because again, flavor is a subjective thing. Uh, I obviously construction and you know, how you assess a burn drawer is, but flavor is very subjective. I get that. Um, but I, I, I think it was that construction. I mean, I talked about, you know, there's one cigar, I'm not going to call the name out of it, but it was a, it was an expensive cigar. It was highly rated by other sites, but I had, you know, the cigar, I had enormous construction problems with that cigar and at a factory, I never would have thought I had construction problems at it. You're talking about uh, the Cohiba M? Well, yeah, that was it. The Cohiba. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. So I, didn't mean to call, I didn't mean to call them out if you weren't trying no, to. No, that's okay. That's okay. But it's also a cigar that I'm saying, you know what? If they do another run of those, I'm, I'm going to give it another. It, it has to get a fair shot, you know, too. Um, so, it, you know, and I hated, you know, you hate giving a score like that. And it's you saw the pain I was going through smoking those cigars. Yeah, no. And well, I think, see, I think you were incredibly fair with that cigar, Coop. Yeah. I mean, you smoked, you smoked a ton of those cigars. And you showed us, like, you showed me. And the Cigar Coop Coalition, we have this chat, and you were you kept posting about, and it was so bizarre because we had several other members of the group that were posting cigars where it was burning perfectly, yeah, and it was like a phenomenal experience right. first. And a lot of people felt this way. I mean, some yeah. of the most, I mean, I mean, you know, Seth, our good friend Seth Guys, who loved it, and sure, I mean, that, absolutely, that, absolutely loved it, and he's one of the most discerning palates in the industry. Yeah, he'll he'll scorch somebody, man. Like he'll leave behind scorched earth if he doesn't like the cigar and he doesn't pull any punches. Yeah. And if he loves it, he'll let you know. And he loved that cigar. And no, it, it, yeah. But you know, you get to a point, well, when you have that severe problem, you just can't like, it's unfortunate. You can't give the benefit of the doubt. Um, and you have to review it. Um, I used to be in the case where if I didn't like it, I don't review it. 
but there's so much time that's put into this now. I unfortunately I can't do that anymore. Um, so it is, you know, because you look how much time I spent reviewing that thing. That was like I, I there's a lot of cycles that were burned on that, delayed some other reviews because I was trying to see, you know, I spoke through a lot more of them just to make sure I didn't have this wasn't a one-off thing. Um, so so yeah, it's unfortunate that that happened. Um, it's not an it happens sometimes. Uh, maybe it was a bad batch that day or a bad role that day. You know, I'm not, it's not an indictment against Cohiber. It's not an indictment against general. It's not an indictment against LT 1800 bronze, but there were incidents like that that happened with other cigars as well. Yeah. We, I mean, we saw a lot of it, um, you know, in particular, like, I, I mean, I'll, I'll throw one in there too. Like, you know, a cigar that Ben and I enjoyed thoroughly, um, and a few other people didn't, but it was very size specific for us, which was the Agonor Salif Rare Leaf. Um, and that was such a, I mean, that garnered so much praise for a lot of people. And then there were so many people that really just had inconsistent performances with it. And it was, I mean, I smoked the Robusto and I was like, man, this is fucking phenomenal. This is great. And, and you agree that that was probably the best Vitola that you had smoked, but you, you still weren't a fan of it necessarily. And, but I did smoke some other Vitolas that were, Poor, poor performing and like the flavor just wasn't there it was just different and then that's why we always say smoke the vitola right smoke each vitola smoke as we eat vitola yeah um and certainly like i said you know I, I it didn't do well on coop uh but it was one size it was i think the robusto yeah. so yeah it'll get to another size and we'll see what happens this year well and that's a cigar that's probably i mean i mean we're going to get to consensus here in a little bit but that's a cigar that probably will end up on the consensus I I would believe so. Uh, it's gotten some high rankings um, from a lot of folks this year, a lot of folks that I have good uh, opinions of. So you know, you wonder if it's you. Like, I don't know flavor wise necessarily if it was. You know, sometimes this is where this is where you have to be a little careful because my I may like it and my palate may be different. You know, in this case, so right. Um, you know, that's that's why I always say to people, you need to have multiple lists and different reviewers to, to kind of go by, you know, um, don't just go by me. If you, if I love it and don't go by just me, if I hate it. Absolutely. Oh, uh, so Coop, the comment I wanted to go back to, and this isn't on our, this isn't in our agenda. I just kind of stumbled on it when I was asking you that question. So prior to two years ago, it was always a story, but not really. I, I feel like we didn't, I feel like we being cigar media don't really focus as much when cigar companies go under yeah. or disappear right now. If they get sold, that's something completely different. Like right. when Fred sold Nomad, that was a story recently, mm -hmm. obviously when, when Ben, Jim and Holt sold Dissident, that's a story. Right. And, know, those, that kind yeah, of, and they didn't go under those companies. Let's be very right. Quick exactly. Now. That's the point. But we, yeah, remember, we, we rarely, one, no one gets fired in the cigar industry. And I guess nobody really goes out of business. Except Sam Lucia. Except when Sam Lucia. Yeah. Sam's the only one that's ever gotten fired. Bless his heart. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, um, man enough to admit getting fired too, man. Hands, hats yeah. off to Sam. Um, but the, the question that I have is, because I kind of stumbled on this when I was asking you that first question with, with COVID, right. do you think that, the, that there were more, less, the same companies, cigar companies that went out of business during 2020 and halfway into 2021, we'll say that 18 months for span. Then any the any other previous 18 months? I don't think so, to be honest with you. 
I don't um, think so either. I don't think so. Either. Now, there's a couple of companies, and there's one in particular that I can think of that we don't know if they're out of business or not. They just disappeared. And that's, and that's Barracoa, right? Well, I yeah. don't know what the status is, but they're off the map right now. Danny's off the map right now. So, um, but I'm not going to say he's out of business. Uh, he's off the map. So I don't think there was a lot um, per se on that. Um, and if anything, there was uh, more newer companies that seemed to emerge in the last year too. Right, right. Yeah, so like another one that I was thinking of that is gone, again, it's not gone away. In fact, the last conversation I had with Spence Drake he said he was very much still in business. So and yeah, you, you, that's why you gotta be careful. La, I mean, he, La Familia yeah. Robina. So yeah, um, that's just a company that's been quiet, you know. And 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 you know, certainly the the last couple of years with COVID and everything have really, you know, they they have created struggles. Well, yeah. it, overall and very positively speaking, it's been a boom for for a lot of the industry, and that's been fantastic. But it's yeah. also been, I mean, it's still it's still a struggle. It's still a struggle, you know. Yeah. So. You know, another one, and he didn't go out of business. In fact, they're coming back with a bang. Is Sereno? Oh, we yeah, had Carson, had Carson Sereno. on Thursday. And so, I'm telling so you, excited to see him. And, and it never, it, he was quiet, but that that doesn't necessarily mean he went out of business. Um, and he talked a lot about the period, you know, because they got they got their heritage release got really they got big release planned the Tiano Heritage out of um out of uh Tobacco Era Palma Hochi Blanco. And, you know, the pandemic hit and they were still trying to finalize some things and it really delayed them getting that out. Uh, fortunately, he had a couple of other projects he was working on concurrently and he got those out by the end of the year. So, you know, again, we, we that's why I don't want to ever say that there's no one that said they were really shut. I can't think of a company that said they were really shutting the doors down for good. Thank you very much. I mean, there may be a couple. And if I'm missing them, certainly someone could comment on that. All right. No. I. So, yeah, that was that was a question that I just kind of stumbled on. We were kind of in that yeah. first that first question there mm -hmm. yep. because i i don't think it really has i don't think the last i don't think the last thankfully i don't think the last two years has been any different for the cigar industry i we've probably lost some we'll probably lost some retailers i you know if i'm willing to bet i'm saying we're probably lost more retailers uh in the last couple of years but i think not I, as I, many as we i mean we we thought it was gonna be a lot worse but i do know some retailers that have gone out of business so um you know, a couple in Charlotte that went out of business. So, um, you know, good people too. So um, such a it's, shame. it's a shame. So some did. Um, it's hard to blame it entirely on the pandemic because a lot of retailers really pivoted well on it. And, uh, and you know, I driving. think there was a, I, yeah. I think when the pandemic started, it was, it was such an uncertainty time for the retailers. Um, but in the end, they were, a lot of all found ways to do it differently. Um, you know, I, I, I look at Dave Garofalo when he was up at two guys, he was out, remember he was out on the, out on the street and, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, he's hustling, but he's has, he has a little kiosk set up with the, with packs, like the, the fresh packs and everything. And uh, I thought it was brilliant. You know, Michael's did curbside, mm -hmm. um, some companies up the game on their, on their online piece if they had it. So, I mean, I think everyone found different, that's, what's so great about this cigar industry. And you hear Glenn Loop say, they come back from Armageddon so many times. It's so right. a resistant industry. Um, you got to give these. You got to give so many people credit uh, how they've done things over the past couple of years. R really have to. Yeah. Yeah, it's been. I I've really enjoyed seeing what the cigar industry has done during this time. I, yeah. I really have. Like it's it's been it's been a lesson in grit and futility 
Um, I listen, I didn't like seeing anyone struggle, but I loved seeing, I loved seeing the determination yeah. out of this, pe- the people in this industry. I mean, listen, Dave, Dave Garofalo is one of the most successful retailers yeah. in the history of this business. And he's out there hustling five packs. Yep. Uh, just, absolutely. And, absolutely. And he didn't let, he didn't let anyone go. No, it was great. I, I, salary. I, like, what just, a job he did. Yeah, what a job he did. Yeah. You know, uh, Jeff, Jeff kept everyone on. Abe kept everyone. I mean, a lot of the ones that we know, the big guys. Jay, you think Jay Davis like, obviously had his. Jay you know, Davis. You know, he, he Jay, oh, Jay's story. Jay's story. Holy shit, man. Yeah. That guy, that guy went through so much. Just to walk into his own store. Or, I know. They, that's a, what a nightmare. Oh, he went God. Terrible what they did bless. to him. Terrible what they did. You know, and this is, uh, this is a respected businessman. Right. Uh, and yeah. Brett, Brett Strandy. Train car, oh, Big Spring, guy. Texas. Yeah, um, yeah. He he was shut down twice completely. Um, couldn't Taylor, walk into his own store. Taylor Smoke Taylor was shut Smoke, down. Yeah. Taylor Smoke had that new location they couldn't walk into. Yeah, I mean they. You know what's funny? Taylor Smoke actually opened their second location in the pandemic. They couldn't use it for a while, but it turned out I think it kept them in business because. Uh, eventually they were able to kind of work that store as opposed to the downtown store had a lot of issues because not only did they hit with the pandemic, there was some of the riot stuff that was really tough downtown. So, um, that, so that, that, yeah, they were very fortunate, but you're right. I mean, these are guys you just want to support and, and it's, they, they deserve such a hand on that. Um, they, every one of these people, and if your name's not mentioned, I'm sure you should be mentioned, you know what I mean? Because, you know, you've done a great job. Yeah, no, there's and there's there's hundreds more and it's but yeah, I mean, these are some of the stories that yeah. we know and some yeah. of the people that we know sure. and stuff. And it's it's just been it's been a really like I said, it's been a lesson in futility and grit and determination. And, it's, you know, we're 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 I would say that we're I mean, while it's not over, we're, we're certainly on the other side of it. I would I if I would yeah. I would venture to guess and and and. You know, it's, we, it's we like, we're gonna have some challenges this year, I think for sure. Obviously, the year's opening up with more challenges than we thought. Um, but um, like I said, th- this is a resilient industry. They're they're gonna be fine. Uh, they'll find a way. <laughs> always, always. Yep. So what uh, what trends did we see this past year, Coop? What what did what did you notice as far as was there like we talk about trends in the industry over the years? We've talked about the big gauge trend. We've talked about the San Andreas trend, the Broadleaf trend, uh, the 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 shift the shift from Nicar- to Nicaragua. You know, you know now 15, 20 years ago, where everything was the Dominican, and now it's Nicaragua has is. It has is the is the placeholder for the cigar industry, um, not to mean any disrespect to the Dominican or Honduras, Costa Rica, or any other cigar producing country, but I mean, Nick Nicaragua's producing more cigars than anyway. I mean, they, that's just facts. Yeah, they are. I mean, it was a big, like I said, amount of cigars that was reviewed out of Nicaragua was insane this year. I mean, I, I like to balance it a little more out, so this I have to figure out how I'm going to do that. But uh, that's just the way, you know, I don't track, I don't go in with a quota or anything. I'll never do that. Um, but I have to figure some things out, you know, maybe a little more eyeful of, of some of the other stuff coming out of the Dominican and Honduras. Um, I, you know, I, I still think the big trend, uh, you know, if you look at rappers, I think there was a pivot away from Broadleaf to some extent, right? It wasn't as big a pivot as you think, because a lot of big companies had their Broadleaf, right? 
Uh, obviously, Cameroon became a trendy thing the past year. I mean, I think it really, it really def, uh, for sure uh, became became trendy. Um, the the one thing I did notice, it seemed like there was a a shift. You know, it seemed like there was definitely more of a Figurado shift this year, where there were just less Figurados coming out. Um, I thought that I did too. It, I had that. Li- I had but I reviewed a lot of Perfectos. That's why I kind of hesitated. But it still seemed like, look, everyone was playing it safe with Robusto, Toro, Gorda, maybe throw a Corona Gorda and Lancero in there. You know, I mean, but it seemed like, the, you know, but it definitely seemed like a lot of companies played it safe. A lot of companies aren't going with a lot of Atolas in the line anymore. So you, it's harder to find lines that are growing to 10 plus Batolas, you know, you're not seeing as much of that. I think companies are being a little more conservative how they're launching their stuff right now, big or small. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Atabay is an exception, but that's a luxury brand. They've, they've had time to build that, you know what I'm saying? So, um, but, you know, if you go with Altidus in general and uh, uh, even Drew Estate did, they, they just weren't saturating us with Batolas this year. No, that's true. No, that's yeah. true. Um... I, I've, you know, even, I mean, let's look at the, uh, let's look at the approach that, you know, Rocky Patel made, you know, so Rocky releases three, you know, pretty stellar cigars, you know, in terms of like, you know, widely appraised completely out of his price zone, his typical wheelhouse at this year's past trade show where in years past he's released you know, hundreds of line extension. I mean, it feels like, let's say, let's, that's, that's exaggerate, exaggerate, but at least I would say a dozen line extensions, you know, and as many as probably five, six new cigars. Right. And, you know, we saw one year, I think I can't remember where it just, I feel like, I think it was like I nine, was, it was like nine, nine or 10. Right. So, um, but so even he adjusted. Right. And, you know, it was a, it was a banner year for him. You know, he's celebrating his 60th birthday, um, you know, uh, you know, a couple years removed from the from his 25th anniversary. Um, so it was I mean, it was another banner year for him. Yeah, so I think he was, wanted I think he wanted to make it special, which was which was fun. It was nice. It was it was it was an interesting. It was interesting yeah. to see that different take from. Him. Yeah. You know, he went for higher price cigars. this year. the 60 in the white label. We're definitely on the upper end. Um, and I think it was a little easier this year for companies to do that. Uh, it's going to be tougher next year or, or 2020. I think that's going to be a tougher one because uh, we're going to start seeing inflation start to affect discretionary income. And I think that's bound to happen. So if anything, I may see some of the, like, yes, there's price increases, but I think you're going to see more values price stuff coming this year. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the question is, how good is it going to be? That's what we're going to have to see. But I think if I was some companies right now, I would be very much looking at if you're making sales projections on what you're releasing. I don't think this is going to be the year to come out with 14 to 20 dollars cigars. Yeah, I think that's unfortunate. And, you know, what's what's ironic about this, the inflation increase and you're seeing more cigars being released. I, I would say the average cigar price that I saw could release this year in the past 12 months is probably around the $12 mark. Um, interesting. Interesting. Um, it's, I haven't done the average on the coupe list, right. But I have done a price analysis and I could tell you that the prices of cigars, um, 
Yeah, it, it ranged. I think there was like one. Uh, there were two cigars under six dollars, and um, you know, so and then you know, on the on the made that I reviewed this year, um, most of the I, there were a lot of cigars I reviewed from the eight to eight dollar to fourteen dollar range, mm-hmm. which is a little higher than previous years. Um, you know, it used to be there were a lot more cigars I was reviewing under six dollars. So there's definitely a trend to push that up this year. Yeah, I mean, I saw the the performance rankings that you did. Um, the uh, the um, what I noticed too, which was really sad, was that the highest price range that you broke that down into uh, dipped, dipped enormously, didn't it? Was the yeah, it dipped enormously. It was the lowest, and it was the lowest. Uh, it was the lowest of all the ranges, even, uh, I mean, other, with the exception of the, the value six. price, yeah, right. the under six. Yeah. Every, so the interesting thing I, and I'm kind of going back is I don't, I don't factor price into my review, but I, I questioned myself, was I being much harder on these $20 cigars? That's something I have to ask my, I try not to be, but that's a fair question if I was challenged on that. So, so small, yeah. So small sample size, the price range below it. So, okay. So th- this was, this was your, this was your, this was your table. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and can I show this coop? Absolutely. Okay. Um, so this was your, this was your table. Yep. Um, so it about, uh, if I'm eyeballing this, there's about 10 categories. So under six. Yep. Um, under six with an eight, with an 88 average. Yep. Okay. That's the lowest of all right. brackets. So six to seven ninety nine. the second lowest 88.71. You did more cigars. So you only did two below six, right? It's a small 17. Sample. Yeah. You did 17. Yep. So a little bit more, like you said, the biggest price range you did was the next one, which is, which is what we would consider the wheelhouse in when back when I was still working retail consistently, right. We were talking about the eight to ten dollar cigar was right. the wheelhouse. Yep. And with at least at least from a cigar coup perspective in 2021, that still is the case. Mm-hmm. Um, where I saw, like I said, most of the releases I saw. And remind me, we got we also have to remember though, Coop. I'm interested to see these numbers for you next year because I think your 12 to 14 is gonna jump. Yeah, I think so too. I think you'll see more in there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and if you notice, it was a steady increase. The 18 to 1999 was, was kind of an anomaly. I'll, I'll cross that one out. There was only one review. Today. Right. I was going to say that's, that's a really small sample size. So it's one, really, it's, it's one really cigar. Small. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, uh, but there was a dip at $20 and over, um, a couple of $20 cigars did make the coupe list this year. Um, there was, uh, so there were a couple, but you know, in general, there was a definite dip and that dip was below the eight. I mean, I want to also say this was inspired by Aaron Loomis. He did this on developing palettes last year. Right. That was so, about to so, and, I, and, I, and I said so, to him okay. point blank, I'm going to do it this year on Coop because I, I, he did a little different breakdown of the ranges and they, he broke it down by reviewer, which was also interesting. Um, but yeah, that's what that was inspired by. Yeah, no good stuff here. The other thing that I wanted to focus on too, is the fact that, um, again, while you reviewed more in that eight to $10 range, like if you look at if you look at with taking eighteen to nineteen and let's just take the twenty dollar and over 
one out of it too, because that's its own discussion. We were kind of hitting on that a second ago, but look at the gradual increase, 89.05, 89.11, 89.15. It's a gradual increase. So, so the people that argue, right? Like the, the, one of the most age old discussions when it comes to cigar performance, taste, flavor, you know, value, you know, does the cigars, you know, price point dictate how good it is? Yeah. Well, Again, Coop, I'm not trying to, I'm just looking at numbers here from a numbers perspective in 2021, we could say for, from cigar Coop's perspective, at least it was, the, it was the more expensive. The cigar, the better the cigar. Yeah. And you know, the $20 thing is interesting because I think when you start getting into those, uh, you know, Dojo does a category called luxury cigar of the year. It's a great category. He does. Mm-hmm. But when you get into luxury cigar, it's a lot more than just the blend at that point. So there's other factors like packaging and stuff playing into that um, and that you start to see in that $20 range that that's, that's driving prices up. Uh, maybe not as much. So to some, it's a lesser extent, I think in these 10 to $20 range though. Sure. So you can make an argument that some of these cigars that were a little more expensive were better quality is what you, you can infer from that. Absolutely. And I think, I think that's an interesting, I mean, that's a discussion. Like I said, that's, it's probably, it's, 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 it's as old as time. Right. Yeah. You know, and why do I do this? Right. Because it's I publish it. It doesn't really mean much. Right. Except this is a way I kind of assess myself each year. So I started doing this a few years ago and I've now I've added a few categories to help assess myself as well um, on things. Like I said, the country of origin one was very interesting because that kind of uncovered how many Nicaraguan cigars I, I, I reviewed this year. So, it, you know, it, it's meant to be, it's meant to be basically for my sanity, but I think it's interesting enough to publish it and share it. I wish more sites would do it. Actually. I know, I think it's developing palettes myself and half wheel are the three. And I think aficionado does it. So there's not a lot of sites that, that do this type of analysis, but it's important. I think it's important if you're a reviewer to, to kind of look at what you're reviewing each year and see how you can improve. You know, definitely. And so, so looking at a hindsight being 2020 coup, you know, were there companies in 2021 that were poised for a great year and actually delivered on it in your opinion? Great question. Um, so kind of think about that one for a second. Um, well, while like, you're thinking about yeah, the I, counter, the counter question is going to come too. So think about it in two contexts, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Was there cigar companies that were poised to have a great year and capitalized on it? And were there cigar companies that were poised to have a great year and disappointed? All right. Okay. So let's kind of go first uh, with the first question. Um, the interesting one. All right. So here's a good one, for example. Um but the pro, you know, for example, I think Alec Bradley was a great example, right? And they, and I don't think Alec Bradley had as good a year in 2021 as 2020. But I don't want to say it's, they just had like, because we focus more on new releases. I think they got a little penalized with that, right? Sure. Uh, and they really shouldn't, right? The question is, how is their consistency o- over the past year? So you know, I, I look at that. So I, I think they, they're a company I would say comes on that one as well. Um. You know, I, well, I was very all too often. Don't companies get judged on that? That's like I think that's one of the things that's worth. It's a little unfair. Out. Yeah, yeah. No, because it is def- did so did that? That's the question. So Alec Bradley being the question, and you know, being the question at hand, right? So they had a phenomenal year in 2020, right? Right. So they but, were poised for a great 21, 21. Now, in terms of new releases, yeah, you could 
you could say that's a disappointment, right? But consistency, because, you could say they maintained it, though, too. Exactly. So, so that's why it's a little unfair to look at it from scoring. So I'm, I'm looking at it from more of the company perspective um, to see uh, how that goes. You know, I, I'll say this. I think Espinosa had a fantastic year this year. Um, they were probably so far under the radar. Um, because I could say 2020 was a little bit of a down year with them at the pandemic. And what they delivered in 2021 uh, was was amazing. Uh, the Azaleto came out. Um, they obviously came out with a new warhead. Sarsaparilla was was a huge surprise to a lot of people. 601 Black coming back. 601 Black coming back, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I think that they maintained their core. They had a little problem getting Laranja wrapper, and I think that hurt them. But they found other ways to make it up, right? So, you know, Laranja, which is their workhorse, um, they find other ways to make it up there right now. Um, and, you know, they came out of 2020 getting that scar of the year from Scar Snob. So they kind of built on that. And I think they, they poised themselves. And I think they're, they're a great example of someone who did that this year uh, and did a very good job on it. I think Ernesto had a good year this year from EPC. Um, I think Encore struggled a bit as a number one cigar, but Pledge, I don't it think it did. It did, no, but Pledge did not. But Pledge did not. Yeah, no. That was probably one of the biggest disappointments for yeah. me personally, right? Because I was yeah. a huge Encore fan, as everyone yeah. knows. Um, and for them to not capitalize on it like it, it should have been. And yeah, could, we could point fingers at them or we could point fingers at the consumership. It doesn't yeah. really matter for whatever, for whatever the reason. Um, it, it just didn't it just didn't have the number one splash or panache or yeah. feeling or yeah you know it just didn't carry but the prequel the pledge prequel just freaking i mean it was one it, while we definitely while we definitely had our opinions about the score jumping as much as it did and it getting that number one spot uh, last year, it I mean, turned up on a lot of lists this year, though. It Look turned up it. on a lot of lists. Yeah, uh, it was on both of ours. That yep. same size. Yep. Uh, uh, the Sojourn made a few lists too, so people went to that. Right, and uh, so I think I think that cigar really, I like, and even when that cigar got number one, it like you and I had this discussion, Cooper. I wasn't like I was disappointed in the sense of like I just didn't see that jump. Yeah. Um, but I was like. I'm not going to argue it. I think it's a great cigar. Yeah. Like, like, sure. Yeah. It's absolutely a number one, you know, caliber yeah. smoke. Yeah. So I think another company that really had a big year was Altidus. Um, mm-hmm. We thought, what did we ask the question at the beginning of the year? Would 1935 Nicaragua be forgotten about by the end of the year? And the answer is clearly no. Right. Um, it, it just, people were talking about that cigar all year. They come out with the St. Louis Ray this year. As well, that's a that's a that was a You're big. Not gonna hit even there. try it, are you? I'm not even gonna try it because <laughs> I'll. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm, Raphael's gonna get mad at me if I butcher the name again, right? So, uh, but no, I mean, you look at you look at that as well, uh, and they they had a really good year with that. Um, they didn't oversaturate us with releases. I think there's been consistency in the brand. So the stuff mm-hmm. that's been released in previous years, I think, is smoking really, really good right now. You know, Romeo and Juliet of Real Nicaragua is a great cigar. I mean. So they've done an amazing job um, this past year. I mean, I I think they had a a home run year for sure. Uh, Rocky Patel, obviously. I think Rocky Patel is the other one that took the jump. I saw a couple things last year from them. um, And then, you know, I was high on 
I was high on the world championship cigar at the beginning of 2020. Uh, obviously winter collection, which really became 2021 for me, it came out in 2020. Uh, the quarter century comes out. And then what does Rocky do this year? Rocky sixties exploded. I mean, it's been, yeah. and, and I can't judge sales numbers, right? So everyone's going to tell me what sells and what doesn't. I, I can't do that. I don't have sales numbers. What I can do is I could just kind of take a pulse and that pulse is, uh, whether it's online, whether it's my metrics, whether it's just talking to people and talking to retailers. Um, but, but I think Rocky definitely is no more people laughing at Rocky. Like, you know, and that was unfortunate. Rocky's always made great cigars. Uh, but you know, I always review as I think we're turning an eye to Rocky right now. Look, Rocky's landing on a lot of lists this year. I'll argue with you. Rocky's always made good cigars. Great he cigars. Always has. I mean, he's been, the, yeah. Great cigars is a little, that's a little, Rocky that's a little fifth, complimentary. Rocky 15, Rocky 15s. Um, I love the Rocky 20s. Lancero, actually, I like that size, too. The, de- the decade was the decade has been, I mean, for 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 10 yeah. plus years, the decade was my Rocky Patel. Cigar. Oh, it was. And the 15 was mine for a long. I smoked a lot of 15s and bought a lot of boxes of 15. So um, Prohibition so- was phenomenal, too. Like that that came out like, yeah, there are just there are a lot of there, and he's the thing about it. And we've commented on this before. The problem with him is there are cigars that have gone by the wayside because he was just oversaturated cannibalizing right. himself the super lajero the decade oh. cameroon i mean these are some fucking phenomenal the, the cigars the, Roya- the royale the prohibitions they're just yeah. fucking great and then the four yeah. I think still around but uh but the platinum was another good one that went away um he did a great move clearly by he, bringing he, winter collection back but yeah i mean you know, and I, I'm amazed more people haven't like reviewed that cigar. The reviews were just low on that cigar, and I, I'm puzzled. I'm puzzled because well, clearly, I I, I remember when I, I was in New Mexico when I first smoked that cigar. I'll never forget where I was, and uh, I think I messaged uh, Nielsen at the time. He wasn't really in the fold of the whole team just yet, and I'm like, Aaron, you, Aaron Nielsen. I said, you got to check the cigar. Give me your opinion. Uh, maybe he wasn't cigar of the year for him, but he, he I think he, you know, when we did the show, all of us, I think he was yeah. a you know, very good cigar. So go back to uh, the smoking syndicate roundtable where we reviewed the uh, St. Louis Ray uh, Carreñas. Carreñas, yep. Is that right? Um, this was a this was a question I poised, and you just mentioned how Altidus had a fantastic year, right? Yeah. Why? Why do they get it right? What are they doing differently? What's the what's the what's the magic sauce? What is the difference between them and general? Because if you look at it from an outside perspective, high level, thirty thousand foot view, they're essentially the same company. They have monster market share. They have monster influence in the humidor. They have grandfathered classic brands that people not maybe that don't watch this show gravitate yeah. towards, but the average consumer loves, goes for those Bolivar, uh, Cohiba, Hoy de Monterey, just as much as they go for Monte Cristo and Romeo and Julieta. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. They do. Okay. Maybe not people who are watching this show, but they do. What is it? What is it? Listen, this is coming from a guy who gave General Cigar a number two cigars of the year on my list this year. 
So it's not like I'm hating on general here. No. And by the way, because, they, if I had smoked that size, it, it would have had a very different rating because that was a great size that you, the Toro size was, was great on that. S Oh, it's fucking phenomenal, man. Yeah. It's so great. I'm glad, I'm, glad, I'm glad you smoked it. I'm glad you, I'm glad you, we were doing it. the show that night. I'm like, bear, I understand why this was so high on your list. Cause this was night and day over the Robusto. Yeah. But I, um, and Skip, Skip, you've mentioned, uh, you're mentioned, uh, Skip's in the chat. He's talking about Crown Heads. Crown Heads has got its own separate discussion yeah, point in a yeah. second. I would put so Crown Heads in that, in that list. Hold on to that thought. Yeah. Exactly. They're actually, they're, I have a very specific question around Crown Heads. So uh-huh. we're going to come back to them. Skip, yeah. So keep, hold on to that. But the, what, what is it, Coop? What, what is, what does Altidus do that General is just missing? Because General has got some great people working for them. They've got some great cigars. they got great blends. But there is clearly, and I asked this question when we did the roundtable, and it yeah. was unanimous for the four of us. And it's yeah. unanimous about everyone that I've ever asked outside of those two companies. Yeah. Like I'm talking yeah. about like truly subjective opinion here. Right. And everyone says Altidus, 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 Altidus. Yeah. What are they doing? You, you got to give credit to Raphael on this. Um, director of product capability. Now, Raphael isn't doing it by himself. He's established strong relationships with AJ Fernandez, uh, the Placencias, and the group of the masters. And he's working those three angles. He's got partners that he believes in and that know that he, they can produce blends that are, you know, consistent, good blends that are going to target the marketplace. But I still think you need that central point in a company like Altidus. I can't say if General has that role, someone in that role. So it's it's hard to tell with that. If, that's why I'm like, I'm hesitant to say uh, Ding General on that, maybe they do. If they do, I'm not aware of it, right? But I think that he has an ecosystem going, Raphael. Um, is Raphael, Raphael's not going to compare himself to AJ Fernandez, right? Uh, he doesn't, right? He, he gives the credit to AJ Fernandez, right? Uh, the group of the maestros, right? Some will argue maybe the group of the maestros are in a little deserve a lot more credit, but I've heard Raphael talk about the group with AMA stores, right? So I, I think we have to give that credit to Raphael um, and look at the results he's had. I mean, look at what Monte Cristo, number two cigar, that's a good thing for the industry to have that brand at number two. It, you know, it's a shame. The brands you mentioned, these iconic brands aren't at a trade show right now. That's the sad part about it, right? Yeah, but, Raphael's obvi- but we said Raphael, I think we agree. We all agreed that it was Raphael this year, we don't necessarily say we agree with everything with Raphael's palette, by the way. But obviously, things are clicking. It's clicking. It's working for them. Uh, yeah. And they, they've got to be very pleased right now. So here's a question, Coop. Uh-huh. So we've said Raphael, Raphael, Raphael. And again, right. it's not just him. And he's quick to That's say. That's why I want to make clear it's an ecosystem. Yeah. Okay. General has an ecosystem, too. That, that, that fosters incredible talent. From the Laurel Tillys, right. the Sean Williams, the right. Justin Andrews, okay, the the uh, uh, da, Br- Rick Rodriguez, sorry, sorry, Rick, um, you know, and more, and company, right? Ed Lehman, some really, really great. But they're people. not. But they're a little. How can I put? Their role's a little different than Raphael's, I think. Yeah, they're in ba- they're ambassadors, but I mean, well, so is Raphael, but I, but you know, I think there's, that's what I'm saying. Right? I think, yeah, I think primarily those people are, are ambassadors. I'll take Rick out of that equation because I think he's been involved a lot more. And so is Justin. You and know, so is jo- and by jo- way, Justin's I, always quick to do the same but, thing that Raphael's done. He's oh, always, by the way, he's always if, giving accreditation. I've been told from several people that Justin's like major 
in with AJ Fernandez, like Raphael. I mean, so that's, and I've heard this from all the people, not Justin telling me this. So Justin, absolutely. Maybe Justin becomes that guy for general or, or STJ. I mean, maybe you look at something like maybe his new role is going to start to go that way. I don't think he's got overseeing. I don't think he's got overall product capability like Raphael does at Altidus is what I'm saying. So I, it's just one of those things that just bef- like really confuses me more yeah. than anything else, because I have phenomenal respect yeah. for all those people that I just named. Yeah. And they've all that they're, they're they're proven talent. They understand tobacco. They understand cigars. And the cigars by themselves, if we look at them, if we start cherry picking, right? I mean, some of those are just as good, yeah. if not better than some of the ones that we've kind of cherry picked out of, out of, you know, yeah. Altidus's portfolio. So it's just, but from a performance perspective in the market, like, again, these are all subjective opinions that I've gotten. Like they just, people just overwhelmingly say that Altidus is the far superior performing company. And that's just, it just confuses me. Yeah. And, and here's an, another point to make, too. And I think this is what why I think Altidus is being placed a little bit on a pedestal. So you have a company like Romacraft, right? They're doing consistent, great work. They haven't missed a beat, right? Um, because they had this solid portfolio, right? Um, so, you know, you can argue that, that they, they're not missing a beat. They're doing their skips, doing all the right things. Esteban's doing all the right things. But, you know, Altidus, I think for a while was a little bit in, on the downside, like right? for a while. That portfolio... It was kind of lackluster. I don't think they were, yeah, they sold a lot of Monte Cristo Whites and Romeo Hugez. I get that. But now there's these off, they put a layer of offerings on there that's just exciting and appealing to people. It kind of boosted it up. And I think that's why you kind of look at all this and you put them on the pedestal for that reason. Because that that portfolio needed a boost, much like I think General's in that boat right now. Out again, take Macanudo and CAO out of the equation with that. Um, I, I think there's signs at General that some things are, are turning the corner. Um, I look at the Honduran blends coming out of General, uh, and I think th- they're doing some right things. So um, I think it was a little tougher out of the DR for them with everything going on in the DR. So I, I'm not giving up on Generals when I'm going to say easy, but all of this just seemed to get it right uh, the last couple of years. Sure. Yeah. So, okay, so I told you I, I had a specific question. So, Skip, here, here's your question on – crowned heads mm-hmm. so to the point about companies that disappointed or companies that capitalized see i think i think crowned heads and ace prime you can lump them their strategic partnership together they're not the same company it's important distinction but mm-hmm. they, their strategic partnership has been a phenomenal success in my opinion and i don't think you definitely we're, we're seeing it now we're just at the beginning of it too yeah, yeah. so was there a bigger surprise in 2020 2021 we'll lump the two years together then how crown heads and ace prime have seemingly come out of nowhere i mean ace prime literally came out of nowhere they i mean they started in 2019 i mean has there been a bigger surprise in the industry in because that's my that's my opinion i have i've been a crown heads for fan for forever um since four kicks came out uh, just I've, I've bought into Huber. I've bought into that whole thing. And I I've, you know, there's blends that I love more than others. Um, but, um, you know, the Las Marias being the bottom of that, but you know, everyone, no one, no, you can't hit a home run every time, but I've been a fan of theirs for a long time. And, but I, I, I don't, I can't think of a cigar company that came out of nowhere to 
really dominate the the mindset like like the strategic partnership of crown heads and ace prime has in the last two years i don't know i did not i didn't see it coming and it came and it was fantastic i don't know i don't know if they were ever off the radar crown heads right but i think what happened is they they started leveraging the pachardo factory uh who had a great year as well um and they were able to release brands out of that factory to have just like, I don't know if people expected them to take off as fast because for years they were doing stuff with Ernie. They still are. They're doing stuff with my father. Still um, yeah. State. They still are. Right. But they had this other factory, which is an unknown factory. Um, and it's it, not only they think I mean, Mil Diaz is a monster for them right now. I'm sure. Right. Um, so I think it's doing very well again for a company. That's a small medium company. So let's not like, compare them to Alta this year. It's their small, medium company. That part, I think they really surprised people what, what they've delivered, what they've been able to deliver um, has been has been really good. So I think that's the part that surprised me more than anything, that they were able to leverage this partnership with Ace Prime. And obviously Ace Prime's benefiting not only with their own brand out of that factory, but Crown Heads Distribution, which has a, a, a they have a great sales team. I don't think anyone would argue the people on that sales team are, 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 are all top professionals there. So I think uh, it's just like, I don't think they came out of like, like when I say they came out of nowhere, like they were just this consistent performing brand. They were, they were a, uh, for lack of a yeah. better term, they were a top tier performing company right. that just kind of was yeah. there. And then all of a sudden they're it's like, they're in the forefront of everyone's mind. I mean, if you look at like uh blind man's puffs, top, top 25 like they right. had like four or five cigars in that time you know in that list you know uh, like uh they made pichardo made my list crown Ed, the the mother church was one of my honorable mentions just because it didn't qualify for yeah the, i had la coalition on mine actually La Col- that was a that was a t- that was a cigar for me last year on but my it performed really, it's been performing really well i mean so so yeah but but bear i don't think um the problem is this this is what i can't answer right and i go back like a retailer could tell me the cigar doesn't move. I don't have that data. All I can go by is what my pulse is here. Yeah. Um, and that's all we can go by. If some retailer is going to tell me it doesn't sell, um, there's a lot of factors that go into that. So, you know, it's the same thing. Like, like, you know, in the end, like the company and the factory are knowing what they're selling again, but that stuff's not disclosed. So we just have to kind of make what we're the noise we're hearing. And the noise was loud and clear at the trade show <laughs> with that booth on, on day one. Uh, pan, what pandemic is what you'll say, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I, that part, I, I didn't expect to see the level. Like we were at the crown heads booth in 2019, not saying it was a dead booth. Right. But it was a smaller booth. Right. But compared to what we had this year and all four days, it was like that. So yeah, yeah we saw something really clicked this year is what I'm saying. So you're yeah, right. 100%. Yeah, uh, they did a good. They did a great job. Uh, I mean, they did a great job. Yeah, I think. I, I think it's just a huge compliment to, yeah. to, all of them. Yeah. Um. I, 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 I think that. I, I, I think that strategic partnership is is proved to be the the catalyst for it because I think. John Huber and company crown heads wouldn't be where it is right now without that strategic partnership. And certainly the same can be said about ACE prime. So yep. I think, um, I think it's been, I think it's been a phenomenal exercise in what 
you know, strategic partnerships can do with the right. And to what we are, it kind of goes hand in hand with the same point we were talking about with Raphael and AJ Fernandez, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, you can call that a strategic partnership, yeah. a little bit different of a vibe, yeah. um, but you could call that a, a strategic partnership too. Now, um, let me ask going, you a question before you go. Let me ask you one more question on crown heads. Um, okay. Say so the partnership forms in 2020. Let's go ahead to 2030. Are these two companies still working together? If you had to put money on it. Oof. I'm, I'm uh, gonna, God, I'm I gonna, hope so. I'm going to um, say, yeah, I, 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 think this so. is a, I think this is a long, I think this is a long-term thing we're seeing. I really do. I think so. Yeah. I think so. If I, I don't I know, think, th- yeah, yeah, I'm going to bet money on that one. Yeah. I think, I think we're, I think, you know, I think John and, and Mike will continue to honor their partnerships with, with Jewish state and my father. Oh, I don't, I think, don't think, I don't think those expand. And if they do, they're going to be to lesser, to such a less extent, comparatively speaking, to yeah. with Ernesto and with uh, uh, with Pichardo. I don't, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I think you know, the, you know, Ernesto obviously has his. I mean, Ernesto cut his own portfolio in the past few months too. Keep that in mind. Like, so it's harder for Ernesto. He had to pivot some stuff to different directions with his brands and, and some of the contract brands. Same with my father. This is not a knock on their relationship. It's just. I think there's a, you know, they, these have, they have very successful brands right now. Um, but I'm going to bet because like there's a two-way relationship here with, with crown heads and ACE prime that they're going to be together in 10 years. I That's so. why I, I think, I think they just, there was such synergy and stuff we saw at the booth last year. It was really good. It was a good thing to see. So we're going to talk about prediction for tr- predictions. Um, for 2022 here in just a second. So I'm just going to skip this group. We're going to go into our fun segments though. Uh, So let's talk about a segment that we love all the time here on LS Fumar takes and cigar coop primetime special edition. One must go. It's always brought to you by United cigars featuring La Giana Havana and distributors of Jose Dominguez, Bandolero, Garofalo and the highly acclaimed Atabay and Byron lines. Smoke one today and start living United. So, as we've been doing uh, a little bit more consistently lately um, here on LS Fumar Takes, we're going to give uh, Oliver and company there at United, we're going to give them a double dose this week. We're going to do two one must goes. And in honor of you, Coop, I couldn't think of a better way to take something we've been doing on Primetime Special Edition. We've been talking a lot about football. So I decided to carry that over, but I decided to make it really personal for you this mm-hmm. week. Okay. And we're going to talk about the New York football giants specifically. Why? Why? No, just kidding. <laughs> specifically, head coaches, because you just lost your head coach. Yeah, we for, did for for the yeah, third yeah. time in five years. So, yep, what a disaster. Uh, so, I was looking at some numbers here, and um, specifically winning percentage and success. Right. And so, I wanted to take three of arguably the, some of the worst coaches you've had, uh huh, or underperforming and three of the best coaches you've had in your lifetime. Because Steve Owen, who coached the New York football giants from 1931 to 1953, had a winning percentage of almost just under 60%. Just a skosh. 10 championship games. Okay. Or 10, or excuse me, two NFL championships. And he was the sporting news coach of the year in 1950. Okay, so that was before your lifetime. Um, so just before, just before your lifetime, another successful run 
was Jim Lee Howell, who had another NFL championship in 56, an amazing winning percentage of 65, almost 70% Uh during that time. And so I took him, Jim Lee Howell, Bill Parcells, 1983 to 1990, winning over 60% of his games, two Super Bowls, AP coach of the year, mm-hmm. pro football weekly coach of the year, coach of the year, sporting news coach of the year, UPI NFC coach of the year in 1986, mm-hmm. ran the table. Okay. And then of course, your guy, Mr. Yeah. Tom Coughlin, what? two Super Bowl championships of his own in 2007 and 2011. Now one's got to go Jim Lee Howell, who had the best winning percentage right. of these three. Bill Parcells with two Super Bowls. Or your guy, Tom Coughlin. Right. One's got to go. Who's doing it? Yeah, three. Wow, three legendary coaches. Um, Let's go to Jim Lee Howe first, right? And I'll kind of give you uh, – I'll go through the three, and then I'll kind of tell you who's on. So Jim Lee Howe, he really was a head coach of the Giants. Um. And he had an incredible um, run as the Giants coach, right? You, you, you mentioned he was only the Giants coach for seven years, right? Um, the one key thing that you got to say on uh, what he had, what he had going on those teams, um, he had two very key guys under him. Vince Lombardi was his offensive coordinator, and Tom I was Landry. You'd mention that, <laughs> and Tom Landry was his defensive coordinator. All right, so. Uh, he had some, he had a, he had some hall of fame guys. I mean, he had the late Don Maynard on that team. Uh, Frank Gifford, Sam, how uh, Sam, how Sam Huff. I mean, he had some great guys on his team. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, and the interesting thing, and, and I read this actually on Wikipedia, uh, recently, there was a big transition going on in the NFL. Uh, and this is again, why I think the two coordinators are key. They went, it went, the NFL got a lot more complex in its game schemes in that, that in that time. So I think what Jimmy Lee Howell did, it, it certainly can't be underestimated. He was still the CEO, captain, you know, whatever you want to call it, of that team. Uh, but he had two great coordinators. So let's keep that in mind. Uh, Bill Parcells, two Super Bowls. Um, Bill Parcells came in. Uh, at a, at a period that was a, another dark period of Giants football for the most part. Um, and he, you know, he inherited a team from a guy by the name of Ray Perkins, who he, he didn't – Ray Perkins had, I think, one playoff year. But, you know, Bill Parcells yeah. – and, and Bill Parcells comes in and has a disastrous first year, the 3-12-1 season. I mean – Harry Carson, one of the most pillars, walked out of training camp. I'm not playing for this guy anymore. I mean, guys were walking out, right? Um, they did draft. They, they had a guy named Lawrence Taylor on that team, right, at the time. <laughs> but Parcells did a, a really, really good job with that team. And by 1986, he had one of the dominant Super Bowl teams of all time in Super Bowl Twenty One. Uh, Phil Simms had the greatest game a quarterback has had in Super Bowl history, right? Or at least you want to say up to that point. And incredible. I mean, he was knocking off the, the some powerhouses. Um, the um, 
the Niners, the Redskins. I mean, there was just the Cowboys were in a downslide at that point, too. Um, yeah, they weren't so the, they weren't the 90s Cowboys. Yeah, yeah. This was, right. Parcells was out in 1990, just before the Cowboys became great. Right. And then, right. Yeah. Um, he has a disastrous post Super Bowl year because of the strike, and the Giants brought d- did nothing to try to get replacement players. It was a big problem, right? So that record was a little tainted because of that. Um, he has a 1989. He should have had a, a run at the Super Bowl. Flipper Anderson stops that, but then 1990, uh, that was Super Bowl 25. Uh, arguably one of the greatest Super Bowls of all time. He vanquishes a Buffalo Bills team with his backup quarterback, Jeff Hostetler. So, look, Parcells' record speaks for itself. Um, a great coach. You all know Tom Coughlin's not going anywhere here. Of course. Okay. But where Matt, Matt Ty mentioned you're not so hidden altar that you have somewhere in your house. We understand. Listen, what this guy did, though, um, the quote, he did, he made chicken salad out of chicken shit because the two Super Bowl runs that Coughlin had, right? Those teams had no business going deep into the playoffs, right? But come playoff time, Tom Coughlin, and that's what a coach really does well. And he, he does it really well. And, and look, those two, those are legendary Super Bowl wins that he had over the Patriots, right? Two, I mean, arguably the dynasty, right? I mean, he's the guy who, who that's the one black mark on. You want to say Doug Peterson with Bill Belichick? Okay, but that's the one guy that they couldn't beat, right, at the time. Um, and I said, when Coughlin got fired, the Giants were heading to depths of futility that we never saw because they should never have fired that man. All right. So they're all three great coaches. Right. Um, and I hate to do this. Right. But Jim Lee, Howell goes because I do believe he had the coordinators. Um, and I think he had two like legendary coordinators under him. Right. Mm-hmm. So question is, could I have put like, um, Dan Reeves in at that time with those coordinators and with Dan Reeves as one, right? That, that that's kind of where, where I'll coming. go with, right? <laughs> okay. Um, I, I certainly wouldn't put some of the coaches we'd have recently, but Dan Reeves is the one that comes to mind with that one. Uh, would I have put him in there? You know, and, and the answer is, I think Dan Reeves probably would have had incredible success with those two coordinators who stayed with that team a long time. So keep that in mind. So Jim Lee Howe, no disrespect. I, I love the guy as a coach, uh, but he's the one going. fair I, I i honestly don't really i wanted to kick i wanted to kick parcells to the curb though because i don't like the way he left the giants in 1990 he really screwed us brought in ray hanley um and i and i it was really and he also tried to bolt the giants after that super bowl he tried to go to the falcons and the nfl blocked it because it was a violation of the contract but people forget that parcells was ready to leave the giants he because he was offered the gm and coach job of the falcons after that super bowl um so I, I wanted to kick Parcells to the curb on that, but I still love Bill Parcells. I mean, but yeah, See, I, I really think, and then it's, it's, you know, like you said, I think I, I know that you have great affection for the guy. I really think Tom Coughlin's got to be out of that trio though. Tom Coughlin's got to be the, the, the one that's got to go because like you said, the two Super Bowl wins he has honestly were two miracle plays, you know, that that happened. I mean, there was a, like they caught lightning in a bottle twice. Yeah, but he had, he had to go through four games to win each of them, though. Like he had to go through, he had yeah. to go through all those other rounds. I get it. We look, I get it. And 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 look, I think when he lost the game at the end of that, the Patriots' perfect season, 
people saw something. I mean, and it was just leadership on that team and discipline and pride that was brought back. But see, and that's the thing, like he had less, his winning percentage was lower than the other two guys, and including the one he, that you just kicked to the curb. This but, is, but that's what I mean. It's a coach's job to elevate the talent you have. It's fine. That's where that's that's kind of where I'm going with that. He elevated okay. that talent because look, if I'll say this, if Dan Reeves was coaching those teams, we wouldn't have had two Super Bowls. Well, Dan Reeves is in the next group of questions. Okay. okay? So this okay. is un, this is underperforming giants coaches in your in your lifetime okay so one's got to go even though you'd probably want to kick all three of them yeah okay so let's talk about we mentioned ray perkins very briefly let's talk about ray perkins so ray perkins comes in in the late 70s he barely gets over 40 percent wins he actually makes the playoffs he's 500 in the playoffs he's 500 one one and lost one maybe the niners actually in the playoffs that year yeah uh a very good niners team yeah, they did. It was Quarter, right quarterbacked end. by uh, by a Joe Montana. Joe Montana. I think he's pretty good at football. Um, so Ray Perkins, though, fifty-seven games, twenty-three and thirty-four, just over forty percent. He did make the playoffs, though. So did Dan Reeves. Dan Reeves coached three seasons in sixty-four games. He was thirty-one and thirty-three, just under five hundred. So underperforming. Set the standard at five hundred, right? The standard of a decent mm-hmm. yep. football yep. coaching career, 500, yep. right? So Dan Reeves, Dan mm-hmm. Reeves did win AP coach of the year in 1993. Yes, he did. Two games coached in the playoffs, also one and one. Yep. Here's the, what would be seemingly the obvious choice to kick to the curb, but I'm going to let you talk about it, but I want to bring up an interesting statistic here. While he was 0-1 in the playoffs, the best winning percentage of these three coaches belongs to Ben McAdoo. Mm-hmm. 28 games coach, 13 and 15. Uh-huh. Which one's got to go? Ben McAdoo, Dan Reeves, who Dan Reeves will, will say, I will, I'll say, had the most talent out of all three of those coaches on his teams. But I'll let you. I'll let you make the argument. Ray Perkins, Dan Reeves, Ben McAdoo—all underperforming coaches for the Dallas of Dallas for the New York Football Giants. Which one's got to go? So I remember the Ray Perkins hire. I mean, I'm actually old enough to remember that. Uh, Ray Perkins started his career out 0 and 5, um, and uh, in the sixth game, he played a Tampa Bay Buccaneers team that was 5 and 0. And he beat them, right? And he got the Giants to four and five. Um, so that, that's true. But eventually he finished the season six and ten. He follows it up with a four and twelve season the year after. Makes the playoffs nine and seven. That's LT's uh, LT's year that comes in there, uh, and then goes to four and five. He would not have been fired, uh, but Alabama recruited him to succeed Bear, uh, Bear Bryant. So that was the whole thing. The Giants, I think, were were happy with Ray Perkins. Uh, he was a bore. He was he was kind of a drab guy. Uh, he wasn't very excitable. You know, it wasn't like Parcells. When Parcells came in, it was like a breath of fresh air because Parcells was so animated on the sidelines, right? But Ray Perkins was a very stoic coach, right? But um, that last four and five year that Ray Perkins had was also a strike year. So he didn't have a full year. Um, and Ray Perkins came in with George Young, and, and he was the coach that I mentioned. There was a period of, 
bad futility from the 60s going into the 70s. And Ray Perkins did a, I don't want to say he did a great job. He did an average job, right? Dan Reeves had a different situation, had a similar situation. Parcells bolts the Giants in 1990, and this is important. Bill Belichick would have been the successor, but Parcells waited until March to bolt the Giants, right? Mm -hmm. And in that period of time, um, they lose several assistant coaches, including Belichick to Cleveland, right? Had, had, had Had Parcells bolted in January after that Super Bowl, like it would have been a different story, and I think they would have, I think they would have kept I think Belichick would have um, would have been the successor. They bring in a guy named Ray Hanley, a loss. He was like a guy. He was a, I think he was a wide receivers coach uh, and he gets elevated to head coach. And Ray Hanley was a disaster. OK, the Giants, I mean, he destroyed a Super Bowl team. Right. He destroyed a Super Bowl team. Uh, he should be on this list on the bottom three. Dan Reeves comes in. They fire Ray Hanley. Dan Reeves comes in as the third choice for Giants coach. You know what the other two coaches were that were the top two choices? Coughlin turns him down. Coughlin was the guy they were going after at the time. They were trying to bring him back, and he he wanted he ended up going to Boston College, and then he went to uh, Jacksonville. Jacksonville, right? Mm-hmm. Dave Wanstead. They were trying to get him. Uh, and I forget where he was. Uh, and he goes to Chicago, but I forget where he was at the time. He was and under uh, he was under Jimmy. Jimmy. You're right. He was under Jimmy at the Cowboys. Yes. Cowboys. And then they, so they go to Dan Reeves and, and you know, Pe- Dan Reeves had gotten fired from Denver and people thought Dan Reeves wanted a lot of power. Dan Reeves comes in there and he restored a lot of Giants pride that year. The first thing he did is he fixed the quarterback situation that Ray Hanley messed up and make, he makes Phil, Phil Sims the starting quarterback. OK, the Giants make the playoffs. They lose to the Niners that year. At nine and seven. Um, what did nine said? No, 11 and five they were. I'm sorry, they were 11 and five. Um, what happens after that's kind of interesting. This was a point where George Young, who's the iconic GM, he's starting to get a little older. He really, there were some changes happening in the league. And honestly, they didn't do a good job at, at uh, I mean, they draft Dave. They, they, Sims actually retires. They bring in Dave, he brings Dave Brown in. He really gives him a bad deck of cards to work with. But that last, so the last two years, so after the 11 5 season, he goes not, Reeves goes nine and seven, five and 11, six and 10. That six and 10 year, they were starting to turn the corner. Even though you weren't seeing the results on the field, they were. And then an idiot like Jim Fossil comes in the year after, right? And that's all. And, 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 Wins coach of the year, but Reeves, I think, laid the foundation with that. He didn't have the track record. Um, Fossil is over 500 as a coach, though. Fossil, look, Fossil is to thank his lucky stars that Ernie Corsi brought Kerry Collins in, right? Who Fossil said is a backup to Dave Brown because Dave Brown is a better player, right? This is that, Jim that Fossil, was, the that was expert. Comical. Yeah. It was comical. He said this, right? Kerry Collins, who had his problems, I love Kerry Collins. I, I love Kerry Collins. The Super Bowl run, they, and they got clobbered by Baltimore. Kerry Collins, man. Kerry Collins was, was the key guy. And Strahan, they were the two guys. Um, but Jim Fossil's like, I hate Jim Fossil, just so you know. So, know. And, and then Jim Fossil, what happened to Jim Fossil? Never got another job again. That was a meaning. Never got a head coaching job for, in the NFL for a reason. He sucked, right? So I give Dan Reeves 
he didn't have the record. I understand that. But that last year, I thought Dan Reeves was, was starting a, a, a foundation there. Ben McAdoo. Again, I think Coughlin left him a decent team. Um, I, you know, I think some of the scheduling had a lot to do with it that year that he made the playoffs. But what happened is that second year, everything came off the rails. And this period of futility started under Ben McAdoo's watch. And it was bad. I mean, he bungled the whole Eli Manning situation. It could have been handled. That should have been handled much better. Again, Ben McAdoo was a guy elevated the head coach that was not ready to be a head coach. Um, it was bad. I mean, people talk about Judge this year, how bad the fans were. They have short memories of Ben McAdoo's second year. It led the Giants <laughs> to fire him midseason, which they never do. The right. Giants are never known to fire a coach midseason, right? So he, I think he was a disaster. Um, so that being said, first of all, Dan Reeves is going to stay, right? Ray Perkins, I'm going to let him stay. Ben McAdoo is as bad as Joe Judge, maybe worse, and, and deserves oh. to be kicked to the curb. Okay. They all made the winning percentage. Better winning percentage. But okay. But you have to look at how, how all those tenure like – Ray Perkins' tenure ended because of the strike, and he had an offer from Alabama. So we don't know what would have happened had he had a couple more years under the belt. I, I understand. Ben McAdoo, the, the train was off the tracks at that point. Uh, by the way, I love Dan Reeves. He brought Giants pride back, and I love – you know, you know, he wore the tie on the sidelines, and to me, he was just so professional. Um, and I always loved the fact that, you know, he kind of had that tie on the sidelines and – uh, you know, I remember watching games with my daughter and she said, Coach Reeves is wearing a tie. You know, it was like really, really cool with that, you know. So, uh, yeah, the um, Ben McAdoo, horrible coach. I can argue maybe as bad, if not worse than Joe Judge. So I got a, I got a, something I'm going to throw at you. So our good friend Matt Ty wanted to put put this in the chat. Matt LaFleur is a better coach than Tom Coughlin. Well, when he gets two Super Bowls, we'll have that conversation. And so my retort was uh -huh. in your in your defense, but you can't argue about what I'm about to say. In the regular season, that's a hundred percent accurate statement. Matt LaFleur is a better coach than Tom Coughlin. Um, he had some good years in Jacksonville in the regular season. Let's not forget that. And he had some enormous Matt LaFleur is the record setting coach. The who, class that he, he is in in the he inherited look what he inherited. He inherited Mike Aaron Rodgers. But Mike McCarthy didn't do anything. There was a problem with Mike McCarthy and Green Bay at that point. It was time for, you know, sometimes the coaches, it was time for a change there. Right. So we but can't anyway, say, we can't say, what, we what, can't say, look, look, we can't say what Aaron, with Aaron, yes, Aaron Rodgers is, is an icon. He's a, go, he's yeah. a goat, right? He's the, yeah. you know, he's the best, probably yeah. the best that we were going to see in the last, that we've seen in the last he, 20 years. He made people forget about Brett Favre and with good reason. Aaron Rodgers is a incredible player. Um, and again, if we see Matt LaFleur holding the Lombardi trophy at the end of the year, I'm going to give him credit. Okay. This I know, is not, I know but you, I, no, but, you always, but, do. but San Francisco NFC championship, Tampa Bay NFC championship, Matt LaFleur looked like a deer in the headlights in both of those games and was, especially was killed in the Tampa game. I mean, the Tampa game, he was just, but he was, he was unprepared for his team was unprepared in both those games. To play football, and that's on the head coach. With Aaron Rodgers, you can't beat those. You should have beat both of those teams that year. <laughs> so here, this is the stat to support me. So thank you, Matt. I actually had this one, but Matt's coming to back me up on this. <laughs> Coughlin coached twenty seasons. 
as a head coach, only 10 of them uh, were winning seasons. And four of those 10 winning seasons, he went nine and seven. You want to say Matt LaFleur is a better regular season coach? Okay. What's that? As a particip- we'll give him a participation trophy. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, it's, it's championships. It's about championships. Yes, Fred, it's about, and Fred Ruiz been saying, it's about winning championships. That's all I got to say. And, and look, you don't, he, Tom Coughlin's ball loved in New York right now. And believe me, when he was coaching there, he wasn't beloved. People really like, really, how yeah, much? Cause, how, yeah, because they've seen what the fuck they've had afterwards, dude. Like, yeah, I would fucking love Tom Coughlin too with Ben McAdoo, Steve Spagnola, Pat Shermer, and Joe Judge to follow him li- up. I like Spags, by the way. They actually, I would have given him the job actually over Shermer, but it was, they had a clear house at that year because McAdoo messed it up. Yeah, because Spags is doing a great job in, in, in the DC. Maybe Spags is a better DC, you know, but but I like Spags. All right. Well, that was our one must go segment. As always, it's brought to you by United yeah. Cigars. Smoke one today, start living united. Always brought to you by United Cigars featuring La Giana Havana, distributors of Jose Dominguez, Bandolero, Garofalo, and the highly acclaimed Adipe and Byron lines. Smoke one today, start living united. My favorite, my favorite segment on my show, Coop, and this is the, uh, I believe, the third time that we have yep. uh, spotlighted this particular charity of choice. Um, there are some underlying factors as to why it's more important today than it has been in the past, but it's always been an important cause to you. Uh, and I'll let you speak on it a little bit, um, particularly with your uh, Stone Cold Lip Pipe Locks um, posts that you've been doing this season. Yep. You are donating um to a great cause in sepsis alliance so talk a little bit about your stone cold lead pipe locks and how much money uh you've raised and i know there's some there's some anonymous donors who actually were matching you so i know you won't unveil that because that's just yeah i don't want to like needle them if they do it or not that's why yeah but uh but sepsis alliance uh let's talk about this fantastic cause a little bit and what your stone cold lead pipe locks has brought to them this year Okay, so let me just bre- – and I've talked about Septus Alliance. It's, it's the one charity I'm completely dedicated to right now. Um, and Septus is a, a series – it's a condition that your body develops uh, typically as a result of infection. It's, it's commonly uh, when the infection gets into the blood. And once it gets into the blood, it, like infection spreads across the body. And Septus is a condition that your body kind of short circuits. As it's fighting infection – your body short circuits, right? And it's a deadly condition is what happens because it causes organs to start shutting down. Think of it as a, it's the same as a short circuit is, is literally what it is. And um, I've, I've had it. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm fine from it. But, uh, but a lot of times when you see people in the hospital and they have surgery and they die from complications, right? Uh, after surgery, typically those complications are septus related. Right. So, but you don't have to have surgery to get septus. Like I had some sort of infection and there were warning signs that if I had known about the warning signs, I might not have had to go into the hospital and go through a, a, a really brutal antibiotic treatment. So the septus Alliance is dedicated not to find a cure, but they're dedicated to create awareness on this. Right. And if you go to septus.org, right. Um, you can certainly make a donation. You can make it through Facebook tonight. We, we'll talk about that in a second. Um, but I, I'm not asking you to donate money tonight 
unless you feel you need to. That money goes to help create awareness. But I'm asking you to kind of if everyone should be going and just look at the materials that are out there. Uh, they're constantly keeping it updated on different conditions. There's something on superbugs right now, which are certain types of infections and how septus goes. And it will educate you on the warning signs of that, which I think is just as important as, as, as the money part of it. So I'm very committed to this as someone who went through this right now. Uh, and I know a couple, I know someone else, right? We, we know someone else who's maybe facing a similar battle. Uh, Alex Smith, of course, his was well-documented after his uh, leg surgery. He had septus, right? And he made one of the most incredible sports comebacks ever. So, you know, I do these Stone Cold Lead Pipe locks, right? And then I want to talk about the airport contest, which I'm, I'm, I'll talk about that in a second. And what I decided this year is let me kind of make it a little fun and I'll put my money where my mouth is, right? So each week uh, I pick one game against the point spread. Uh, if, I, if I'm correct, it's a win and I donate $10. And if it's a loss, I, I don't win. But what I did is I put it in for every three losses, I'll donate $10. Because um, this way people don't think I'm tanking it, right? You know, I can say, oh, he's <laughs> tanking it, right? So I said, well, let me at least put my money where my mouth is and, and, and do it that way. So that's why I kind of did that. I was eight and 10. I raised $110. I would have liked to have been uh, much better. I would have liked to have been 180. Uh, but I may change that next year. So I may go like $20 for a win and $10 for every three losses. I'll, I'll change that next year. Um, and then I also did, and a couple of people were asking me about this. I did some over-unders this year, all right, and on win totals. And I'm going to announce how that went tonight. Um, so I picked, you know, like we do in baseball, I picked over unders, uh, and my three overs were the Pittsburgh Steelers at eight and a half wins, the Houston Texans at four and a half wins and the Las Vegas, Las Vegas Raiders at seven wins. Uh, I hit on the Pittsburgh and Las Vegas. I lost on Houston. So that's two. That was two correct. And these are $20. Um, the unders were the Kansas city chiefs at under 12 and a half wins. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers at under 11 and a half wins and the Patriots under nine and a half wins. And I hit on Kansas City, but I lost on Tampa Bay and New England. So I raised $60 right now total. So small little campaign here. Uh, I made it to $170. A few people are going to match that right now. And, you know, like I said, it, it's meant to be a fun thing. Um, I think part of why I did it is people were taking these picks too seriously and there needed to be a better cause for it. Um, I kind of am... I got to be honest, I was a little disappointed with um, I would have liked to see people be a little more aware of what Septus Alliance was doing out of this. And, and I need to do a better job with that next year. Um, you know, it's fun. Everyone wants to get around the picks, but I, I really wanted people to look at the materials on a frequent basis. So can I, I got, yeah. Can I offer a challenge slash suggestion on air for you? I yeah. think it would be really great. It would take a little bit more research and I'm willing to actually donate my effort and time here right. to help you with this, but maybe finding a story like Alex Smith, you know, finding a story of a person and sepsis Alliance does a really great job because they do have the stories. I mean, they so do it really wouldn't take too much research right? It would, now yeah, that I'm right. saying it, but I'd be, uh -huh. but I'd be willing to chip in here with this. Right. Maybe like every week you do the stone cold that pipe locks and this week are our wins are dedicated to Alex Smith who battled blah, 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 blah. Here's their yeah. story. And Love it. Yeah. I, I think, I think that would be really cool because it would be really spotlighting someone who suffered from it. And I, what I could, if I want to interrupt just one more, I don't mean to right. interrupt your flow here. 
look, the reason this is so personal is because this was a this was a reality to you. And yeah, and and like many people know, you Coop, you almost died. I, I I might not have come out of the hospital, believe it or yeah. not. And if I had waited, I might not have made it to the hospital. Uh, I can and, tell you the last 24 hours beforehand, there were weird things happening in my body. So yeah. And you know, I I, I know we thank Mrs. Cooper for so much that she yep. does for Cigar Coop yeah. and her entire support and that she's had for you, you know, y'all's entire marriage and everything like that. Yep. But it was her. It was Mrs. Cooper who said, I'm taking you to the hospital. Me, the and, hypochondriac, by the way. Keep that in mind. She, she saw something that this wasn't my hypochondria going. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, she, did. she was yeah. the one who made the call. And yeah. we're also grateful and thankful that she did because, um, you know, this is this is an important subject that, again, yeah. it's just not something people don't talk about. It's yeah. not even when people die from it. It's they don't even tell people that die from it. They say they died from complications. They don't even say that they die from sepsis. Like it's it's a huge issue. Yeah. In the medical community that's under discussed. It's, and that's what we're trying to do today. Right. It, it's so huge. And, and, you know, people anytime you have any type of evasive surgery, there's this risk. So, you know, again, uh, you, you just want to keep it in mind and, may, and maybe there's some things down the road they could do. Maybe there is some research they could do to prevent do preventative stuff with that. But that's another, you know, that's another. Story. And, you know, by the way, you know, uh, COVID, while it's not bacterial infection, your body does get weak and secondary infections can happen. So uh, it's important to know about this. OK, and take COVID very seriously and you know, do the things they ask you to do. Um, let me tell you something. Uh, when someone says, why are you wearing a mask? Well, spend the night, spend the night in ICU. If you haven't, you'll, you'll change your mind real fast. Um, and that's, that's, that's what it's about, you know? So yeah. we were trying, you know, it's again, creating awareness. Uh, it's very important. I think, uh, it's something that can affect everybody. There's, there's really, you know, like there's theories how I got my infection that caused this. Uh, I don't think they ever know, but there's, I'll tell you what, I, did, I would do things very differently taking a trip to Europe next time. So uh, I'll tell you that, um, you know, as far as I go. So hey, check it out, sepsis.org. Can I mention and, one more thing before we go there? Of course. Uh, the airport thing? Well, yeah, I was just saying, oh, is that, okay. is that, uh, could, or is that related to sepsis, sepsis yes. alliance? Okay. Yes. Sorry, go ahead. No, okay. So everyone knows I had this airport selfie contest. We all know the details of it, right? Um, the contest this year really didn't go the way I liked it to go because uh, I was looking for originality with the pictures and to be honest with you, there were very few people that were original. Uh, and a lot of people used the same concept by themselves over and over again, like Terrence. <laughs> okay. Or people just like, they put a picture with a mask. Right. But, you know, I felt like there was a quantity over quality, but I don't think that quantity thing should be ignored because you know what? People were taking the time to do this. Right. So I had to figure something I, out. I love I love Terrence's posts, man. I got to tell yeah, you. Yeah, but they were they, but eventually <laughs> he was doing the same thing over and over again. Right. That's the problem. Right. So. Yeah. But thought provoking though, every time it, it was. It was right. No, he did a very good job and he did a good job as well as the guy who took a, a, a photo just sitting on the plane with a miserable face. OK, on a plane. Like everyone was. The, I even did a fifty dollar gift card for people to do an original like consumers. There's not one original photo. I have to give this $50 gift card at random now because there's not one original photo in there, right? It's terrible. But I do appreciate the effort, right? 
I, I can't award prizes for this anymore. It, it just, it, that was not the, that's not what the intent was. It was intent to have fun, but I think it got a little out of control. So I changed it this year. Anyone who tags Cigar Coop in a, in a uh, airport selfie picture, uh, I will donate $1 to the Septus Alliance. Um, and uh, I, I set a max of 365. I'm not going to max it out. Like, unless I just, I got to, I got to budget this somehow is what I'm saying. Uh, and if people want to match that, that's great. Uh, you know, um, and if you want to do an original poster, a uh, post, right. Something original, that's what the challenge point is going to be for. I have a, I have a limited set of that. So if I see one that's really good, you can, and I haven't seen one in a lot while, um, and, that, and that's how it's going to go. And I, I again, well, let's use this for, I, yeah, I want to promote Silver Coop, but I think there's a greater good. And if, if, if maybe quantity over quality is going to be the answer, Let's let's do something fun. And by the way, it costs you guys nothing to do this other than tag me in a picture correctly. Like, and here's the thing. I, I, I've been a stick on the tagging. I only have one way to kind of look at these pictures. I can't be going to four or five different places, Jack Tarano. So um, if, if, if it's that complicated, then don't do it, you know. But but I hope no one's going to I hope there's a good message here. Like I said, you do the picture. I do the donation. It, 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 it's pretty simple right now. And we'll see how it goes. Uh, I've already got a, a few, and like I said, they're all in the, they're all being uh, tracked, and uh, you know, we'll, uh, we'll hopefully we could I can exceed the the quota I set. That's fantastic. Yeah, well, so sepsis.org. Um, yep, sepsis.org. Go to that, please. Sepsis.org. Check it out. Please consider donating. It's a fantastic cause. And yeah, thank you for your thank you for giving me the forum on this, Bear. It's very important. It is. And it's, and that's why I love this segment. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's given people a lot of opportunity, a lot of platforms to talk about things that really matter You know, everything from veterans to dogs, to uh, homeless shelters. And um, it's just a, it's just, I, as I'm going into my third calendar year of doing it, you know, I'd started it in 2020. Yeah, I remember 2021. I was on, I was on that show when you the first it. show. Yeah, where Canines for Warriors was the very first one. Yep. And um, you know, now we're going into our third calendar year of it in 2022, and I I've really just I've really enjoyed hearing about the things that matter to to our guests that we bring on to the show, and and you've brought this uh, this organization to the forefront of my mindset, and uh, as always. Coop, I will be donating later tonight in yep. your honor. So yeah, and you. by the way, the, the donations that I do for the uh, that I do for the football picks will go under that umbrella too. Uh, there's also a few. I'll just mention there. You know, Matt Ty, Matt Matt Tobacco. I'm going to recognize some of the media guys, maybe who. And I'm not saying they've won or lost yet. Uh, Matt 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 Tobacco, unfortunately, is not eligible because I work with him <laughs> on, on spare notes, right? Uh, but there'll be special donations. Spare parts, but we're going to do. Um, <laughs> There's going to be some special like for people. I'm going to recognize a few of these other photos as well. Uh, and uh, we'll figure out something creative or charity angle with that as well that I'll, I'll personally do on that. So uh, stay tuned on that as well, um, because, I mean, there was some great stuff. But next year will be very simple. There's no restrictions. Uh, everyone can do it in this way. Everyone, you know, I can use everybody as much as possible to donate money here. And I'm donating the money. You guys don't. If you want to match it, that's fine. But you don't have to. I'm not forcing anyone to do that. Yeah. Okay. So we've got some rapid fire predictions uh, and slash predictions going for 2022 that I want to fire your way here, Coop. So uh, 
let's let's kick it off. It's going to come here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, the Half Wheel Consensus, one of the most highly discussed lists outside of Cigar Aficionados Top Twenty Five. Yep. Um, it's a point of discussion. You've, we've featured it on shows with Cigar Coop. Um, it's something that we all keep an eye on. Uh, it's something that a lot of companies actually uh, actually prioritize over any other list. Um, yeah, well, that's it. Yep, they do. They can say they so, don't, but they do. So who gets the number one consensus this year? Not even a question. Under, under Crown 10. It's not, yeah. even a question. Uh, not even a question. It's not even a question. It's Under Crown 10. By a landslide. So... Um, Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust, does it continue its streak of seven consecutive years in the top three? They have a shot. Uh, I think it's going to be tough. Uh, but I think Steve makes the top. I think he can squeeze into the top five. He may fall a little short at number three. He may fall a little short this year. Okay. Which company goes into PCA as the company to watch? This year. The company to watch. I'm going to come out with a little bit of a left field pick, and I'm going to say All Saints Cigars by Mickey Pegg. Does he have uh, a successful show? This is yes. Rapid Fire Coop. Does he have a yes. successful show? Yes. Okay. Yes. Absolutely. He's got stuff coming out and stuff. Yes. He's red hot right now, and he, he can have it. Does any of the big four return to the PCA trade show? I'm going to bet yes, one, and it's all to this. No, no knowledge. I'm, I'm going to throw one in and say all to this. Will the big four's absence or participation be a story for a second year in a row? Yes. Okay. Now I'm deviating from the rapid fire. Why? Why does it matter? Look how many brands are not there. I mean, uh, in the makeup, the loss of these four companies, uh, Davidoff, Altidus, General, Drew Estate, that's, those are big companies. And I don't see any way you, these other companies can make it up. I don't. Uh, because these, you know, I mean, I just don't see it. I'm not saying these other companies won't do well, but I mean, there's a big, I mean, it's going to be a story. Um, and I think I'll say this, imagine if Drew Estate comes back to the show. I think there'd be a boost in attendance immediately. I think, you know, I think any of these companies, there'll be a boost in attendance. We, we could think it'll be excited. They could create some excitement. But I just okay, I think to that gonna... point, to that question, yeah. which one moves the needle more of if if you said, OK, we'll bring back we can bring back one of the big four. Which one moves the needle more? Who gets more people to the trade show? True state overall to this 100 percent, right? Yeah, it's yeah. got to be. It's got to be um, because true state. Is, you know, it's Drew Estate just knows they have an engagement model. I think that's that's a little more mature than Altidus, whose engagement model has improved so much, though. But I think Drew Estate moves the needle the most. Okay. Could you picture if Underground 10 was at this trade show this year? How great this would have been. Yeah. 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 And that's not a disrespect on these other companies, which, which do great work. But I have to give it to Drew Estate. Okay. All right. So going back to some other points that I wanted to bring up before we close out the show with our curveball segment here, Coop. So we talked about trends that happened in 2021. What trends are we going to see in 2022? What do you think will What do you think will uh, continue through the year? 
Um, I definitely, you know, we hit it at the start. Uh, I think the supply and demand problems will, will continue this year for sure. I don't see them going away anytime soon. Um, I also mentioned um, the, I think the price point thing is something to watch. Well, I think there's been price increases. I think we're going to see more cigars in the value price category. So I think you see those things. Now there's a couple, I have some other points I can make on here if you want me to besides those. Okay. Um, let's talk about um, the changes that have happened in the trade organizations this year. Uh, last year, there were big changes at all three of them. Uh, CAA has a new president. They have a new chairman. Actually, Javier Estadas is back as chairman, but they have a new president. So there's new leadership there. Um, PCA, they, they kind of restructured their staff. The furloughs are over and basically, you know, Glenn, Glenn Loop comes in. Uh, they bring in Ryan as well. Um, so I think they have, a, you know, so they have some new blood on the staff. And then CRA actually reorg last year. Uh, you know, Gary Pesch and, and uh, takes over for uh, Robbie, Robbie Levin. And Karen Smith comes in. So I think there's all new leadership there. I mentioned that because I think this is going to be a big year for to see how, to, how this is going to impact uh, the industry and how this changes if this to watch do you think I think that we may see some changes in over I mean leadership changes don't bring business as usual it's rare it happens right so I think there'll be some change and we've seen a little bit with PCA with some of the board announcements this week um I mean I think so even PCA is, has got some changes happening there right now so I think we'll see, it'll be interesting to see how uh, it approaches. I think PCA is on a road of transparency. You got to give them credit. They were very transparent with their announcements and everything. Um, so I think, I think we're going to see some, I think we'll see the effects of that leadership. What changes, it's a little hard to say what they'll be, but I think you'll see some, something will happen with those types of things. Okay. Um, I'm just trying to think, let me just give you one. I have one more when I was prepping for this. Um, I, you know, I wonder, I wonder what's going to happen, um, with, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, you know, some of the pandemic stuff's interesting because some of the festivals are getting canceled this year. And I just wonder if, 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 if maybe the, the big festival models in some jeopardy right now, I think we'll have to see you over time. Uh, I think we'll have to see how we come out of this winter right now with it. But, you know, like a couple of these festivals haven't gone on for a couple of years right now. And I think there are, you know, I think there could be some trouble in, in that line. So I think it's something worth watching. And the final prediction, Bear, I'm predicting a big year from Oliva this year. Uh, I think Oliva's, you're seeing like now the new regime in there, uh, the Vandermolle family, Jay Cortez, you know, Oliva's made, you, you saw a little bit of it at the trade show this year, Bear. With Oliva was a lot more active. I think that will continue. And I think you'll see, um, I think something of those, those brands that were acquired from Reyes, I think we'll start to see the beginnings of, of that happening. Maybe, you know, so, so I'm predicting Oliva is going to be a lot more active player than we've seen in recent years. Okay. Yep. To that point, I have that one question that's kind of related, but not. So who, which company has to have a good year this year and will they which is it a company that um 
has had a bad year or is it any company? No, it, it's open interpretation, Coop. You, you, in 2022 has to be a good year for X company. And will they, will they be successful at that endeavor? I'm going to say AJ Fernandez. Um, and I think they will be. Uh, because they certainly have the product and stuff like that. Um, so I'm going to say, you know, look, look how AJ like really dominated the, the aficionado list this year. Four cigars on that list. Um, uh, one was from one was for the Roman honest line, which was which was really good. But I, I think now it's uh, now that if this is a really key year to build on that now, kind of go back into the AJ Fernandez brands. And I, I think they've been a little quiet the last couple of years. And I think they I think they're going to do it. I, I really I have a lot of confidence in that. So uh, I'm going to kind of bet some money on that. I know they've had some management changes and stuff like that. And that may be, you know, that's, it is what it is, but, but I, I, I think AJ finance could really build on this this year and have, and have, a, have an incredible year. Okay. Um, I'm, you know, I want to, I want to actually agree with you on this one. Coop. I, I actually had, I actually had this down. Um, it's funny. We didn't even talk about, it. I had the yeah. question up, but we didn't even talk about answers. They are, they are my answer to this question this year. Yeah. I'm going to disagree with you though. I think they don't. Interesting. I think I think AJ Fernandez is and always for the foreseeable future will always be a success in this business in this industry. Time has told us over the years how as a company he is not as great as he should be. The company AJ Fernandez. His brands, there's some great ones. Some cigars, they're fantastic. But we've I mean there's been countless discussions about this, about how AJ makes phenomenal cigars for everybody else other than himself. And for whatever reason, and there are several that we could probably pinpoint, but for whatever reason, that success is just not translated to AJ Fernandez, the brand. And I know for a lot of people, it's really disappointing. It is for me too. I disagree. I think they will not have, I think they will continue to do, I think they will continue to, I don't think they take it. I don't think they go like, yeah. they like hit the seller, right. but I think they, they, they continue to underperform. Interesting. You know, so, you know, the other one I had there, like I said, I, I have, well, before I said, you know, AJ Fernandez has proven like releasing new world. You could just completely like take over. Right. So I, I think that there's just, I just feel they can do it. Right. There are successful brands in his portfolio. That's not to say it. there's some there's some fantastic cigars in his portfolio. I, I, just, think I, I think he's hungry enough to do it, right? So that's why I'm I'm going. I'm like, he's hungry clearly guy. got the hunger. He's clearly got the drive. He does it for everybody else, Coop. He, he does. does it for everybody else. I think he's going to look at this and say it's time for me to kind of do it on my end. I hope you're right. Yeah, I don't think you are, but I yeah. hope you're right. That's fair enough. It's frustrating. I'm going to give you my other. Yeah, I'm going to give you my other company, and you could probably. Everyone's a disagreement in this, but the other one, look, I look at what they came out with at the trade show, and I look at how one cigar in particular is just, was just a stellar cigar in Casa Magna, uh, Colorado. It was the best cigar I smoked performance-wise last year, but wasn't eligible for cigar of the year. Um, but Casada, they've got the tool, they've got the products right now, right? They have that. I, I am confident that they are going to write this ship. I think it just can't be done. It takes a while to do this. 
So I'm going to be patient, but I think the signs are there. Look at like now, look, you're seeing it on the production end, right? Ferry Ortega, right? Um, people, you know, you're seeing it with that. I, I think this thing, I think the corner is turning for them. I do. So I think they have to have a big year. I think they, I think they have a much better year. So I'm going to kind of bank on that one as well. But uh, both, both agree, both. Yeah. I think those are two other companies that have to have big years and I think they both capitalize on it um, for sure. So yeah. I think that's, I think that's yeah. incredibly fair. I can tell right. you. Yep. Yep. I Go can ahead. tell you. I agree. I agree with you on those. Yep. All right. So this is my last question before our curveball question. And we talked, we teased a little bit about, well, we talked about it at great length and stuff um, at the beginning of the show, but about cigars just being overall being underperforming in the last, the last year and a half. Yep. Will they continue to dip or will they turn a corner and get better? They're going to dip more this year. I unfortunately agree. I, I don't see any signs of that. Uh, I think we're going to bottom out at some time this year. And I hope we bottom out. And it's a trend at the end of the year. I just don't see it right now. And I noticed some companies that are the exception to this. So, so. Right. Exactly. Kind of well, and I understand it. Like the, the criteria for my top 10 list coop is uh, cigars that I frequently smoke. Right. I have to say though, that I'm, I, someone asked me like, well, how many cigar, how many rave did you smoke throughout the year? Um, that, that put them atop everybody else, you know, because that's the biggest point of criteria. I have several other points of criteria in my top 10, but the biggest one is frequency. That's the biggest, that's the biggest calculating point. Yep. Um, I personally uh, smoked uh, seven and a half boxes in 2021 um, of rave, just rave. Yeah. I, I mean, there's obviously, it's, yeah. I've already started counting at yeah. this point. Yeah. Um, I don't know if anyone's going to get that close. If the number one cigar yeah. 2022 is going to be that close in terms of volume. No, and I didn't smoke seven and a half boxes of the uh, winter collection, uh, which I didn't even get to tonight. Right. I feel bad. But I'm going to say this, like the Skip Martin uh, doctrine about number one cigars, buying boxes of them. Absolutely. He's right on that. And the number one cigars, all the top three cigars, multiple boxes have been bought this year for me. So uh, I can't go seven and a half boxes because of the amount of cigars I review, obviously. Uh, but, uh, yeah. And in fact, I bought a fresh number one box for when it got number one, the, the, uh, the Robusto. So yeah, it's definitely less, but I agree with you. I don't know. I I'm, I'm totally in agreement with you on that. It's just my box purchases are a little less because of that. Um, I have to actually, I actually had a little more dependence on samples this year, which was a little concerning with me too. I need to have a 50-50 balance of samples and, and purchases. And it was it was a little higher than I wanted this year. But that will be fixed as well. Fair enough. Yep. I hope we're wrong about that one too. <laughs> well, I think the thing is that, you know, you obviously there's a point where I have to start saying no to samples. And I've already started to do that towards the end of the year. I knew no, it was I just, a problem. Man, I, hope, I hope cigars aren't – don't take a dip. I hope we're wrong. Uh, yeah, but I don't see anything that's – I, you know, as long as it, as long as we have this 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 difference of supply and demand, that's going to have to change first, and then I think you'll see the quality improve. I, I just don't see a way around that. You know, when I hear companies working second shifts and like right now, but you know, like I said, this this companies like Perdomo, they they were on point all year. Fuente, 
Fuente on point all year. I think Pachardo was on point all year. Roma crap. I mean, the companies that were out there, Espinosa, that Espinosa, factory, yeah. yeah, that were on point this year. And that didn't take a dip. But there's other companies clearly took a dip. Clearly. Yeah. 100%. Yep. yep. All right. So this is the last question of the night, Coop. And as always, I know you're a night owl. I know you work late. I know you work hard. I still got to thank you for your time tonight. Thank you. Sunday is Sunday is family time for you to step away and spend two and a half plus hours with me. It's just means the world to me. So thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. So the curveball question of the week is always brought to you by Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust. Fastballs or curveballs, it doesn't matter since the company's inception. Steve Sock has been knocking them out of the park six consecutive years in the consensus top three. Going for number seven this year. We'll see if it happens. Coop. Yeah. This is this is something that I've wanted to ask you for a really long time. Okay. One of the most impressive things that I've gotten to know about you over the years of our friendship is, and something I truly appreciate because I take a love and a fascination with a lot of different things. I have a fascination for film. I have a fascination for baseball, as we both know, right. sports in general, um, horse racing, you know, lacrosse, mm-hmm. uh, just some things that, you know, I absolutely love. And I've, Taken a fa- I have a fascination with them, and I, I would argue to say that I have an encyclopedia knowledge of a lot of these things. The most impressive thing about you, Coop, is that you have an encyclopedic knowledge of a feel like everything. For, let's start with cigars. That's without question. Cigar, your knowledge of cigar history and cigar releases and cigar cigars in general go beyond. The, a time frame from when you started smoking. Coop, I've been smoking cigars longer than you. A lot of people don't realize that. I've been smoking cigars longer than you have. Almost a decade. And your knowledge just, I, I'm in your dust, right? Music, sports, all sports. Film. The list goes on and on. What's something you don't know a lot about that many people actually do? That's the question. Oh. I'll probably say culinary arts. I need to eat, but I don't know a lot about what goes into like cooking and stuff like that. I couldn't tell you anything. I go to that. You just know it's good. <laughs> I just know it's good, yeah. But I don't, yeah. Okay. I would say that would be because I hear I see a lot of people talk about being amateur chefs, and I'm not even in that. I'm not even in the amateur chef thing, so I think I would go with that one. I just don't know a lot about that. Yeah, you're uh, always quick to point out on your food post. Yeah. You're like, I take there. I take no credit for this for for this. Dish. I, I can't. I can grow a steak and then smoke a thing, but um, that's about it. Um. So I, the other one I put is home repair is the other one. I put that probably at the other one. I know zero about home repair. Yeah. You know, my way of home repair is pay someone because I'm clueless on how to execute and do it. And that comes from my father and my grandfather. So my wife was stuck with that. <laughs> now, the, the cool, the culinary arts thing is actually kind of interesting because you do appreciate, you do appreciate good food. 
yeah, but yeah I, I i'm thinking about this now like when i'm like when we've gone to eat and i'm like i dive in and i'm like talking about the dish and like what it's constructed of and like oh i taste this and taste that and you're just like yeah it's fucking good like <laughs> yeah so I yeah i actually I will i actually will i i i can see that now that's crazy and i, I can tell you what like i can sense some flavors maybe right but i couldn't tell you how it got there um right. at all i could so, yeah you, yeah yeah i couldn't tell you anything on I asked this question specifically because I couldn't think of anything, but now that you actually said it out loud, I'm like, okay, that makes total sense now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even the burgers that we eat together, <laughs> you're just like, oh, it's a good burger. But you remember, <laughs> remember when we went to dinner with Carney that night at, uh, I forget the, the restaurant was at the hard rock. In yeah. Vegas? I mean, Carney's, mm-hmm. you know, I have no clue. And then I went to dinner with Raphael, uh, at bizarre meats and Raph, you know, get yeah, Raphael's all over. Raphael, just tell me what you, recommend something he goes what do you want just recommend the menu is what i said right i'm trying to trust you know what's good and what goes into this so yeah it's it's pretty it's pretty straightforward with that with me like as much as i'll talk about food posts and stuff i couldn't tell you anything more than that i couldn't tell you what a michelin star rating how it even goes into that (laughs) no there's some there that was uh oh god what was the name of that restaurant that sucks I can't remember. I can't remember the name of it, and it's killing me now too. Uh, uh, if it wasn't SW was at the win. We went to this. Yeah, that was, was a great Lucia. pick by that you, was, by the way. Yeah, um, it was a second pick, but yeah, Luci- Luciano. Well, uh, we were trying for bizarre meats. It's, yeah, we were, you you did very well. So, yeah, SW turned out to be fantastic. Um, and what a what a meal that was! Unbelievable. And yep. thanks to thanks to uh, thanks to Luciano for. Yep. And that was just a fantastic evening in general. It, it was. And then we went back to the compound and, you know, uh, I could tell you, Luciano is a good friend of ours. Right. Um, and uh, I could tell you, I learned so much about him as a tobacco man that night uh, where you, you wow, you, this is a guy who's come into the industry. And um, now like I said, now he's a great human being and a friend, but man, this guy's, he's doing all the right things. And, you know, he's gotten one cigar on my list last year. He didn't get any this year. It was more for release things. But uh, this guy's got – you may see some more things happening with Luciano. I'll just say that uh, on, on with Cigar Coop in terms of – I think he's got some cigars that are really going to put him over uh, the hump over the next few years. Well, if you want to predict something, I, I'll go ahead and make a prediction. I, I, he's, he, Luciano and Ace Prime will, will probably have a cigar – on my top 10 next year. I could predict something unless, else too. Unless something I, else doesn't I'm going to predict something else too. I think he's on point in the next decade to get a cigar of the year on aficionado. I think they're, I think they're recognizing his work. Um, a lot. Cause it's so, great work. So yeah, they should. Great work. It's great work. But, so yeah, I think you're going to see him. He's a true tobacco. He's a tobacco guy. This guy, there's no question. This guy knows what he's 100%. doing. Yeah. Yeah, unbelievable, unbelievable stuff. Yeah. So we're getting some questions in the chat. So before we close out the evening, I uh, will go ahead and just break the yep. news. Uh, Cigar Coop, uh, the Cigar Coop Coalition will not be at TPE this year. Uh, there's some, uh, from my part, there were some logistical issues. As everyone knows, my move uh, put a damper in that. Uh, you know, my kid starting in a new school, uh, moving to a new home getting organized with my job. It's the busiest time of the year for my particular. So logistically for me, it was, it was uh, a virtually an impossibility. Yeah. So I will not be a TPE this year. Uh, similar, uh, 
similar reasons for other members of the team. Uh, and so uh, not a reflection on TPE, though. Uh, I'm hoping yeah. we're back next year. It was it was that we were talking about going, but um, yeah, this was not a reflection on TPE at all. Yeah, we're not. Yeah, we're not making a statement or anything like that. Um, there's nothing political about it. Uh, unfortunately, for me personally, uh, I don't represent the entirety Aaron, of the now, cigar coop team. But no, Aaron Aaron Loomis will be there, but he's with developing pallets, so keep that correct. in mind. He won't be there representing coop, but you know, Aaron Loomis will be there. So, but he'll be That's representing true. developing pallets. I want to make that clear. So, well. Again, thank you to our audience for hanging with us late. As always, it's uh, coming up on midnight. Uh, it actually is midnight here in Central Time. It is 1 a.m. on Eastern Time. So we started on January 16th. It is now Monday, January 17th. Um, Martin Luther King Day. Yep. Um, as I close tonight, I really wanted to uh, – I really wanted to uh, – I really wanted to end with, I'm a big quote person, as a lot of people know. And, um, and so I wanted to, I wanted to actually end with a particular quotation um, from, from Martin Luther King. And I'm going to go ahead and bring this up. So give me a, bear with me real quick. Um, But I think it's, I think it's one of my favorite quotes that he ever said. And it's, so appropriate so appropriate for today's day and age we're in a very dark time in society for a lot of reasons the pandemic of course highlights that but a lot of stuff goes into that that observation for me and martin luther king said darkness cannot drive out darkness only light can do that hate cannot drive out hate only love can do that so tomorrow, if you're happening to work or if you're actually taking the day off because you got to be with your kids or if you just happen to see an MLK Day billboard somewhere or see something on television, he said a lot of fine things during his lifetime. But reflect on those words. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. It's a very, very simple quote, but it's very appropriate for our time. So think about that as you go throughout the rest of your week. As always, I appreciate all your time, all your likes, shares, comments. Always appreciate it. If you tune into our YouTube channel, Elos Kumar, don't forget to hit the subscribe button. If you're listening to us later, wherever you listen to podcasts, whether that be on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Podbean, or wherever you listen to podcasts, please hit the download, subscribe, and review button as well. If you are a subscriber, hit the unsubscribe button, but please don't forget to resubscribe. That really helps my numbers, selfishly. Check out our calendar of upcoming events on our, on our Facebook page where we broadcast live every week. We'll be back next week as well as we march toward take 200. This was our 196 take live from the Alec Bradley Lone Star Studios of the newly christened Azel, Texas. We do appreciate everyone out there. For Will Cooper, I'm Barry Duplissy. Guess what, everybody? See you next time. Thanks, everybody.